We're here, we're live, we're back, live from the Robert Allenby studio. Welcome to the Sports Detention, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined here with my co-host, Potty. How we going, mate? Hello, Grego. Well, mate, I'm doing well, as always. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in again. Absolutely. We adore our faithful listeners. Our that is for sure. Uh, should we get straight into it, mate? What do you reckon? Let's jump in. Radio potty, mate. It's been a big weekend. I actually found myself on the couch watching a bit of footy over the weekend. Lovely, mate. Yeah, Lovely. It was really, really good. Uh, sort of put the, uh, as we come to the end of the school holidays, put mm. the Renaults in the back, in the rear view You've mirror. You've been hard at it, haven't you, mate? Absolutely. Yep. I put in three days up till 3 a.m. in the morning. Wow. And I couldn't even wash out the paint tins because I would have woken up the neighbours. Yep. Oh, well, got don't to look after the neighbours, mate. Yeah, don't, don't need, need voice complaints. No. Noise complaints, sorry, not voice complaints. Yeah, not, not, not at this time. Well, that is a massive effort. But Should speaking of catching eyes, mate, mm. what has caught your eye this week, mate, as we return for another well, action-packed episode? caught my eye, very eye-catching. Margot Robbie? Yeah. Margot, yep. yep. Australia's, Big fan. Australia's very own. Humble beginnings in Neighbours. We love Neighbours here at the Sports Detention. Was she in Neighbours, was she? She was in Neighbours. I mean, that's a given, really, yeah. with anybody who's got half a pinch in Hollywood who's Aussie. They've Home had to and away, you've got to have a dig. Maybe maybe if you couldn't get in there, you had a quick dash on Blue Healers, you mm. know, something like that. But um, Home and away. Yeah, home and away, for sure, for sure. Alf Stewart's still waiting for that call. He is, he is. I, you mm. know, I, he could he be the next Joker? Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he'd put up with jokers, flaming glass. <laughs> Mate, um, we love a good film here and we love Margot Robbie. Do you know what she's most recently been up to as far as filming is concerned? I have heard, mate. Yeah. I heard there's a, a, a film called Barbie. Barbie. Is it? Like, yep. I don't know how. Oh, like, I haven't looked into it much. No. I must, um, oh, I must yeah. plead ignorance on this one. But, I mean, to go from the the... Performance in the Wolf of Wall Street oh, yep. to something like Barbie. I mean, I don't know if I'll be checking it out. Yeah, well, Tonya. Yeah, I, oh, that's a cracking mm. movie. Yeah. Harley Quinn. You know, she's just she's been she's been in everything, an absolute star. But she's in Barbie, and you know, no no criticism so far of her acting performance. But there has been some criticism levelled her way. She's been slammed in actual fact, mate. What she, for? What could she have possibly done wrong? Well, she has been slammed. By Americans, when she's been promoting the Barbie film, yep. she's been speaking with an Australian accent. I mean, that is I just need to point out outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous, and I think she needs to have a good hard look at herself. But I just did want to point out one small fact to the people slamming her. What's that, mate? She's Australian. Unbelievable. So she's probably going to speak with an Australian accent, Grego. Well, I mean... The young lass from Dalby, yeah. I mean, yeah. to have her on the red carpet promoting her own movie, that is fantastic. She's a Queenslander. Oh, well, I she's mean, going down a peg there. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll forgive her for that. We will. We'll but go. in saying that, she is going to talk with 
an Australian accent. Yep. That is going to happen. That is happening. And, uh, yep, I'll I reckon keep, just, it, keep it going. Mate, they're, they're just bitter because yeah. there is – there's no – you know, decent Australian actor who's worth half of anything yep. that can't just absolutely hammer an American accent. That's I mean, we nail it. That's that's the problem. They're just know. upset. Yeah, they're, they're furious. They're furious. But, uh, yeah, that caught my eye. And I, you know what? In all seriousness, Marco, you keep up the good work. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be proud yeah. of who you are. Don't worry about anyone uh, else. And, um, you know, that goes for you too, Potty, mate. So if you want to be South African, oh, you be South African, <laughs> don't, son. Don't worry. <laughs> and that goes for everyone. Except for Leo, mate. You had your chance. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, the, uh, yeah, Blood Diamond 2 starring Potty. <laughs> oh, oh, well, mate, mate, there was another yeah. thing that caught my eye, mate. What's that, mate? Mate, I love a good life hack. Something that you see that changes your world. Mm. Something that blows your mind. Um, I do too. The problem being that if I do find myself and, yeah, you know, a bit of a, a face, Facebook swiper yep. every now and then, I'll jump on the news feed. Mate, the algorithm has got me well and truly work because if I find any of those, like, five-minute hack videos, yep. mate, like a drooling, docile, drug-induced... Human, I will sit there and just stare at the screen with my eyes rolling like poker machines as I watch those hacks with no intention on putting any of those hacks to use. So I'm the same (laughs) except on the weekend, mate. So to give you a bit of background, fortunate enough to live near the beach and love going down the beach with my kids. Fantastic. And I'm also fortunate enough to have a relatively new car, which I love. Mm. My kids do not have the same appreciation for it and they drag sand all the way through it. Have you ever tried getting sand out of carpet? Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. It's tough. It's a hell of a slog. And I've always wondered there's got to be an easier way. Mm. And there is. I saw a life hack on Instagram the other day as I was doing the old swipe. Do you have a massage gun, Grego? I don't have a massage gun. If you had a massage gun, you get your massage gun, obviously turn it on, point it down, point it into your carpet, and all the sand just oh, comes flying pops it up. up. Pops it up and just... It's gone. Ooh. It's gone. It is unbelievable, mate. And I gave it a go, and it... It works. Mm, now, you've got well. to put a little plastic bag over your massage gun. Well, that's yeah, going to break. Well, you know, yes. <laughs> I've got something similar. No, I won't say that bloody joke. Uh, otherwise, uh, my listeners will switch off. <laughs> so, mate, life hacks. So, the old Theragun. Yep. Just, uh, yes. It's it does the job. It's absolutely come through with the goods. Just rattles. So, where, do you just hover the vacuum above to collect the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. J- just hover it just above, just mate, next well. to it. And it just... It's like it was unbelievable. I mean, Potty, yeah, you're an ideas man. Hey, I'm an ideas thieving man. Is what I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did a good job, mate. Yep. Uh, uh, referencing your uh, your source there. Well done. Yep. No worries. No worries. We always like to give um, credit where credit's due here. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, that's what caught my eye. What have you got for me, mate? Um, yeah, obviously a little bit happening. I think mainly. The crux of what's been going on around uh, my neck of the woods has been in the sporting realm that we'll address later on in the show. Big but I, things happening. I couldn't really go past, um, and you know, mate, you've known me well enough now. That I, I enjoy teamwork. Mm. I enjoy camaraderie and that ability to work together. 
and um, I couldn't help but to be absolutely blown away. We've got the Women's World Cup coming up. Yeah, exciting um, times. Isn't yeah, it? oh, excellent. Um, you know about the Matildas mm. and getting behind the team, and and today I was reading an article which just you know further reinforced the unwavering not only support but faith I have that they're going to go all the way, mate, and it's all around teamwork. I read an article today to, that highlighted the fact that the Matildas are in sync. All the females in the Matildas are on the same menstrual cycle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, as two of, I mean, if you think we are not an expert at sport and we speak about it i mean you could take us a couple of notches down about um you know female uh hormonal cycles and the like we're probably not as around this topic as as many others however as a as a former sports scientist potty i i, I do understand the mm. need to um for the you know the the high performance departments within the matildas to come and, and get an idea of of player well-being and where they're at especially when it comes to female athletes in terms of their menstrual cycle yeah and um you know and it's come on we're not going to hear with the cheap jokes it's not about the mood of the team or anything <laughs> around that time or the, or the coach or the or the players getting a bit narky at the coach it is a uh, obviously around well-being and overtraining mm. you know so if if female athletes are you know, really at the, those upper echelons of overtraining, it, it will affect their menstrual cycle. So that's why you would monitor it. Yep. But you don't have to put it out in the media. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Yep. You know, I, I mean, to, I think we're all pretty much, we're all pretty fired up about the Women's World Cup. We don't need the extra you know, added layer of promotion around the menstrual cycle of the team. Yeah. Would you agree? I'd agree, mate. I don't think it was um, it was needed. You know, um, but I there is a, a suggestion that this could be breaking scientific barriers. Mm. Um, obviously, Team Doctor has... Um, uh, so Team Dr. Brandy, Dr. Brandy Cole, so this is according to the mail, um, she has highlighted that it, there is generally dispute around the fact that cycles will come together and that they can be interacted off other humans within a, within a community setting. However, it appears that when they're coming into the Matilda's camp, we're breaking scientific barriers yep. and it's occurring and she's just blown away with it. So, wow. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, why we're talking about this on our podcast, I've got absolutely no idea, mate. <laughs> but it caught your eye. It caught my eye, absolutely. Uh, the other thing, mate, that caught my eye, uh, and go the Matildas. Go the Matildas. Go the Matildas. Yeah. I'm with you, mate. I think they're going to go all the way this year. I think we're in for something special. Um, a final thing to finish, so I'm staying with the uh, the round ball game as well, which has caught my eye, is um, the third kits, mate. Oh, mate. Welcome, to, welcome to pre-season. Brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Arsenal has dropped an absolute monstrosity today. Yeah. Um, I just get excited. Um, it's an interesting time where, where your club will um, really push the barriers of uh, appreciating you as a fan and trying to rip you off 100, qu 100 quid. Um, but... I mean, you've got the Arsenal kit in front of your body. What do you think? of it? How would you best describe the new Arsenal kit? It it looks like a sick tiger. A sick tiger. A sick I tiger. suggested 
Uh, and my first thought was it looked like a zebra who had cirrhosis of the liver <laughs> because it is a red and black oh. monstrosity. I it's I don't know why they continue to do it, but um, I'm sure there's a fair few gurners out there that'll that'll uh, hand over some fold and and get themselves a. A new bit of swag. Now, we, we, we both know some gooners out there, some big fans. We mm. want to hear from you. What do you think yeah. about the third kit? Because we're here and we're just, yeah, lost for words. Yeah, I mean, but I am holding my breath because uh, United haven't released theirs and I'm, I'm sure, you know, once the tone has been set, you know, everyone's chasing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a, a word of warning to all the all the punters out there is brace yourselves. It's footy uh, off-season for the round ball, the European football, and those third kids are coming to get you. Yep. Rightio, mate, that's it from uh, what's caught our eye, mate. Should we get into the footy chat? Let's make the footy happen. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! Rightio, mate. Uh, round twenty has come and gone. Yeah, uh, we're really getting towards the end of the season now. Yeah, aren't it was we? the it was the final round with multiple buys. Yep. So um, yeah, we're looking at um, yeah nailing it into September time now. So yeah, another, which is good. Another seven seven rounds, I think, to go. What do we have, mate? Uh, so the Knights beat the Tigers thirty four to eighteen. Uh, the Bulldogs. Went down to the Broncos at uh, 44 24. Manly went down to the Cowboys, uh, no, Cowboys 19 and Manly 8. The Storm over the Chookies 30 to 16. Warriors 44 mm. uh, to 12 over the Sharks. Comprehensive win, and the Warriors stock just keeps going up, and the Cronulla just. There are those lingering questions around yeah. whether they're flat trap bullies. And it's it's good to see the Warriors playing in New Zealand. Yeah, it is. It it's is. a it's a different ball game when you gotta go over there. It certainly is. And they're um you know, you know, I don't want to write them off for this year by any stretch, but Roger Tuivaskishek uh, coming next year. Uh Chanel Tavita Harris coming back to the club as well. Mm. Like, where does it where do they play? Yeah, well I think Roger probably um, you know Where's Chance play? Like it's yeah. you know it's a fruits of riches. Do you put Roger in the centres? Do you you know because Chance is playing really well, and then obviously young Metcalf's yeah. coming along nicely. So when Chanel Harris Tavita comes back, it, you know it's it's good to have these problems. Yeah, but. great. And Sean Johnson signed on for another twelve months. Look for mm. me if you made me make the decision right now. I see perhaps Roger doing a similar job to what um, uh, Valentine Holmes is doing yep. up at um, the Cowboys. Uh, very, very good fullback, but in this team, his best role may be, hey, we're just going to put you out to this side, give you a bit of a roaming commission. We want you to wreak havoc. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Rocco Berry in Ooh, the centres. Wow. Well, that's a decent centre pairing. That it? is a decent centre pairing. Mm. Chanel Tavita Harris, I reckon he'll be depth to begin with. I mean, you've also got Tamari Martin, who's um, in mm. the system as well. So he, do, he does struggle to stay on the field, though, unfortunately, Tamari. Yeah, poor old Tamari. He's had, a, he's had a really rough trot. If anyone deserves a bit of a crack... Um, yeah. Certainly him uh, Then uh, your Panthers got over the Dolphins In quite a close match 24 to 14 It's a good game though Yeah um, oh, We'll probably touch on the Panthers A little bit on But i just got to say Isaac Tago He had a blind Oh up. he's a, just He's on fire at the moment isn't mm. he Can produce a, a player out at Penrith Particularly an outside back 
Uh, the Param- uh, Parramatta Eels got over the Titans 25-24 to 24 in one of the more strange matches I've seen in a very long time. Uh, um, yeah. So mm. Parramatta coasting comfortably at 12-0. Two players sent to the sin bin. And, you know, at the time, Parramatta fan not happy with it, but upon review, yeah, fair, fair, fair call. But Number two, the, definitely. Yeah, number two, definitely. Changed the whole dynamic. Oh, I just, I don't know what Reg was thinking. Like it was, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, tired, lazy. I don't know. It looked was it, bad. What, it, yeah, but it looked bad because it was slow mo. Yeah, you know, if you're, you know, Reg's size and you're coming in, you slow that down. It's always going to look bad. Yeah, I think the fact that he's led with his knees is the mistake that was warranted enough that it. Ended up wrong. He had yep. to go for ten. That's that's regardless. But yep. it looks a lot worse than what it was yep. when you slow it right down. Yeah, hundred percent um, right. I and you got to be careful yeah. with those ones because you know, obviously, you don't want to end up with you know a, a laceration to your kidney or anything well, like that. Parramatta like, fans know. were in up uh, were in uproar because Jaden Campbell in round one last year punctured Sean Lungs, uh, Sean Russell's um, lungs mm. well, with, you know, a diving effort to save That's, a tackle. Yeah. But, all, but all the same, he, he made contact with the knees and, um, yeah. yeah, so, so if no you get suspension. it wrong, You know, if you get it wrong, the punishment is going to be there to take. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't think we do ourselves any, any favour trying to, uh, you know, crucify someone like Reg over the fact that we're watching slow you know, down footage of it in Look, replay. I don't, I don't think that does Four weeks I thought was excessive. Um, mm. I, I thought the 10 minutes in the bin, I thought a week or two would um, do the job. But um, he's got a, he's got a, he'd have a bit of a record though. Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as you'd think with a, with a front row that plays as aggressive as he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, so I don't remember him copping a lot at Parramatta. Nah. And um, yeah, so. But if you're comparing that to someone with a record like Jaden Campbell. Yeah. You know, and you're sitting in a judiciary, what, what, you know, let's be fair to income, they, they treat those places like a court of law and you're thinking, what are the, what's the damage, even though it was damage that was done, Yeah, you know, on Jaden Campbell as opposed to someone like Regan Campbell-Gillard dropping oh. the knees, I, I, I don't agree with it. Like most people who get the big suspensions, he was tried by media. Before they yeah. even went in there, they were, oh, he didn't go to the, he didn't go to the trial, he, I think he's just copped the, copped the suspension, but um, yeah. like... The media caned him, so there was no point fighting it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that being said, it didn't look good. And the Raiders, uh, the Dragons, and the Rabbits all had the bye. Uh, just touching on Parramatta, they are fighting the Mike Acevo charge, trying to get a downgrade as well, which would mean he's available this week. He's he's current, that They've said a three to four match ban three if you take the early guilty plea, so they're rolling mm. the dice. And uh, he has been... He has been named, so whether he sits out or not, it will depend on how he goes at the judiciary. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of those as well. And, you know, you the reaction on the field when it occurred was, what a great shot. Time perfectly. He's coming on the wing. He's taken the shot. You know, he's, he's rolled the dice by coming in and making that play. Great play. Then to have it stopped and, oh, two plays later, let's bring it back. Yeah, and go. Oh well, he's 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 feathered his chin on the way through there. Yeah. Like I mean, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you can't get that overturned, I think the fact that he got 10 minutes in the bin yeah. during the game was enough of a punishment. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, I tend to agree. He hasn't got the same wrath as uh, Reg did in the media, so he might be a show. No, because I would suspect that um, he hasn't got a luscious moustache and uh, probably hasn't caught the eye of the wives of many people who write those articles either. No. <laughs> But anyway, that's just me. Uh, that's complete uh, personal opinion on that one. Uh, I, I agree, mate. I agree. All right. Radio, so mate. Those were the rounds. Um, I'll take you through my match of the round. Uh, I predicted Manly versus Cows. wasn't a terrible match, uh, but I didn't end up sticking with it. I went for the Panthers versus the Dolphins. Back and forth. Penrith um, yeah. severely understrengthed. Uh, there was some pretty ordinary defence, but just the contest and... You know, I'm. You know, I, I don't want Penrith to win the comp again. I want Parramatta to win the comp, but mm. it is something special watching what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy as a fan. I, I know we made it tough for ourselves mm. at times, um, but I think just you know the players who were getting an opportunity coming in and doing a job, which you know, I'm pretty pleased with. As, yeah, that's that's me as a fan. Um, you know, I I would hope that behind. Closed doors, you know, Nathan Cleary, those players who are on the, uh, you know, waiting to be eased back into the side. So Brian Tottor, Stephen Crichton have a, have a week off, yep. you know, and they're getting ready and ramped up, you know, to get yeah. that championship mindset on yeah. and, and let's move forward. Yep. It's going to play out exactly the way I said it would before the season, mate. Beat Penrith, win the comp. Mm. In my opinion, they are just warming up. All right, what about your match of the round, mate? Mate, I had the Panthers versus Redcliffe. However, however, I went with the Eels-Titans. Only because purely I don't know if I got more enjoyment out of the game or more enjoyment poking the bear on a group message (laughs) as we were watching it and as I saw the debacle of refereeing decisions unfold. Like, yeah. Oh, mate, just... I was just, yeah, uh, you probably heard me from here. We we live 15Ks from each other, but you probably heard from me. Yeah, mate. Uh, I, I couldn't, yeah. I Some of them I just, I was like, oh, how's he going over there? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, had to throw out the olive branch. But, uh, look, I thought it was a good game. I thought the Titans, I you know, and the Titans of the last few weeks have been, you know, they're, they're a good football side. They, you know, they, you can see that there's a football team there. Um, Des has got some things to look forward to, um, but I, I just think a lot of the, yeah, it was like a scrappy Sunday night match that was compounded by just you know refereeing that you know a lot of the calls were just unnecessary or you know there was there was you know sort of conjecture with most of the calls that were occurring, similar to like the Tino elbow and the throat and yeah. stuff like that, where you, you felt as though, oh, I just, yeah, I, di- I didn't like the, the match from that perspective, but I loved the fact that because it was such a shit show, yeah. it turned into a really competitive game. Yeah. Well, I did not enjoy that bit. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't imagine you would as an Eels fan. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, it was yeah. great because my team had already had the two points and they were already on the, uh, on the Jetstar flight back to Sydney. So Yeah, well, look, 
the Titans are a good outfit, um, and they're if they nail Ben Hunt next year, they'll certainly be you know improved again. Mm. Their coach at the moment, names evading me at the moment. He's caretaker until Des rocks up. Um, he's offering too many excuses at the moment, though. I listened to the post-match presser, and he's basically uh, paraphrasing. He said, "Oh, we've um, we've had too many um." Uh, we, we haven't had any luck lately. If we didn't have bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. And, and then he went on to list certain things in different games, went on to talk about how they lost the week before in um, Golden Point because they'd been penalised for being offside and um, and they got the Redcliffe got a penalty goal and this week Parramatta were offside at the... Um, uh, when uh, what's his name? Um, their halfback went for a field goal. Tanner Boyd, mm. and uh, they didn't get penalised. It's like, well, mate. First of all, as a Parramatta fan, I've gone back and I've critiqued the game. And Jaden Campbell left Barker about <laughs> two metres early when Parramatta got their field goal. Yeah, I like, mean, it's it's yeah. it's just yeah. The At excuses the e- coming out there is going to manifest in the players. I think they their risk dropping well away now. At the end of the day, someone like uh, so Jim Lenahan's his name uh, is the current interim coach of the Tigers uh, of the Titans. Sorry, um, you know, for if he has aspirations of being an NRL coach, mm. you know, this time's really important for him, coach. So you can see why you know he'd be, you know, quite upset if he hasn't had you know so-called luck go his way. But mm. um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Jim, luck is for losers, brother. That's right, mate. You got to go out there and win the game, yeah. you know, and. I suppose, you know, you, you've obviously got to, you know, you've got to have some sort of uh, sympathy for a coach who's come into his position and it's a, it's a great opportunity, but, you know, you just feel as though the, the dice aren't rolling your way. But at the end of the day, you know, your job is for the next six to seven days, uh, get your team in and, and build some resilience in them. And, you know, they should be able to go and compete at that level and, you know, not rely on luck. Yeah, well, and just, you know, you're only seeing it from one side, really. I mean, you, you go back to that game, you're 12-0 down, getting comprehensively beaten, and the other team gets two players in the sin bin pretty much at the same time, and you can't go on and win the game. Mm. Like, that's pretty lucky, mate, for and, that to happen. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, Jim might be coming out and telling us in the media that it's all about luck, but he might be going into that dressing shed and giving them an absolute spray. You know, man- managers, coaches, they'll do that. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, you know, take the heat off the players. Some are pre- pretty ma- masterful at that. Yep. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. But if you're, you're relying on luck to, uh, yeah, to yep. serve you in the NRL competition, mm. um, yeah, luck helps. But, yeah, it's not going to get you there. Mate, I agree. I agree. So we've got a few other talking points to go through, mate. Yeah, mate, there's a bit to get through today. Um, look, I couldn't help, and I, I sort of half mentioned it when we were talking about the uh, the Warriors, but uh, Rocco Berry, mate, I was really impressed with him mm. the other day. Um, Love his name. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if that's why I was impressed with him. <laughs> you know, that's what's caught my eye with Rocco. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's a really, really good, powerful centre. Um, yeah, he's, and he's... Yeah, he's a, he's New Zealand born and bred. Yep. So he's um yeah, his father I believe is an all black. Yeah, right. Um oh, his name, first name escapes me. Um but yeah, so 
coming through the system of the Warriors. And, you know, this was an issue that obviously with the... Um, with the reduction of the of the national twenties competition, that was where the Warriors had a lot of pull in terms of their junior development. So there was a lot of really good rugby players, a lot of good young athletes in New Zealand that were were you know going down the path of rugby league because they get that exposure. They'd be on TV um, in under twenties and the like, and it was a real attractive option for young players. But with that no longer there, it was really it's raised a challenge for the Warriors. How do they continue to, you know, have these players feel as though the Warriors is the place for them? Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's it's really good to see players like Rocco Berry come through. Um, Marty Berry. Marty. That was his old man's name. Old Marty. Not Marty Bella. Not Marty Bella. <laughs> Love Marty Bella. <laughs> Marty Bella. Um, yeah. And Sean, Sean Johnson, mate, on the Warriors too. I mean, he's worth his weight in gold. You said that he um, he's extended for twelve months, but yeah, I mean, two hundred games for the Warriors on yep. the weekend. Um, but mate, yeah, what a player! He's playing, you know, some of the best football I've seen him play. To be honest, so they're a, they're a show this year. The Warriors, I think they're going to finish top four. If you have a look at their draw heading home, that it is very very friendly. Mm. It, it is it. I looked at it the other day and I thought they should win at least five of those matches quite well. Yeah. I don't think um, – so, for example, if they don't finish in the top four, the Warriors, I don't see any players in their squad that can do what they've needed to do in the past to get the Warriors to where they got. Yeah. So, for example, um, I could be completely wrong. You'll jump all over me. But 2011 mm. – uh, 2002, the mm. grand final. So obviously they had that real core New Zealand team based around, you know, Stacey Jones, Owen Guttenberg, you know, good, real, strong uh, professionals within that team. And that was their, their show. They got mm. beaten in the grand final. Come around to 2011, they got to the grand final on the back of game breakers yeah, you know yeah. you had Folletti Matteo who was just on fire at that time a young Sean Johnson coming <laughs> into the league like Jimmy Maloney yeah so you had yeah so you had those players that just in that purple patch of form mm. were able to put it together and get them through to a grand final they'll eventually they were eventually beaten by you know the manly team who were the better team um, and we're just star-studded. But I don't see the, any players in their squad at the moment that are going to do similar to a Jared Hayne or, you know, no. something where they're going to grab the team and just pull them up by their bootstraps when mm. it comes that business end. And so that's why I'd be quite hesitant to put any sort of real faith on the Warriors as premiership contenders, so to speak. They can beat anyone on their day, that's for sure. But I just don't, yeah, I don't know about that run that they were, I think they'd need. So they're currently sitting in fifth at the moment. Mm. And um, I believe a win this weekend would take them fourth because they're playing Canberra. So just to give you a quick rundown of their draw, uh, Canberra in New Zealand, yep. bye. Titans away, West Tigers away, Manly at home, St. George at home, Dolphins away. That's yeah, their not run a bad draw. That's a pretty good run in as far as... Um, so if, if you can finish the top four, you know, anything can happen from there. And as you said, they can beat anyone on their day. So I think they need to finish top four. Mm. 
I definitely have them as a roughie, but yeah. we don't mind a roughie no. here, mate. <laughs> mate. You're not going to put any of that hard-earned cheddar on them, though, are you? No, mate. Definitely not. Uh, mate, Panthers Redcliffe game. Mm. Valence Tavare. Mm. So he's obviously caught the NRL by storm over the last few weeks. Um, powerful, powerful, power, powerful player. Um, look, I'm going to put it out there, mate. Is he the next Mark Tukey? Remember Mark Tukey when he, when he was at Parramatta? <laughs> yeah, that he ended up at the Warriors. He was in that 2002 team, obviously, yeah. um, of the Warriors who played in the grand final against the Roosters. But, um, yeah, just that cult hero style, you well, know, because he's, he's good to watch. Yeah, oh, I, I love the reference to Tukes. Hell of a player, Parramatta legend. But do you know who reminds me of a little bit in his running style? Fooey, fooey, moy, moy. Oh, fooey, fooey. Just that bit out of control. Is he going to yeah. run at me? Is he going to step? Is he going to... No, he not, he's not stepping. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. So we've named two front rowers mm. as who we can compare him to, but he played on the wing on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Now, he got caught out on the wing. I, I am going to put my coach has had on here and I'm going to suspect that he was put on the wing for a reason and that's to get on the front foot, you know, get good run metres, return metres and the like. But he got really caught out playing in that position when it came to taking players on the outside. He got burnt on the outside as well. Mm. Um, so it made me think as I'm watching, I'm going, how do, you, how do we sculpt him into a genuine NRL player? Because he's, you know, obviously let's go away from the, you know, the fandom around him and obviously that, you know, you could get a, you know, make a bit of a character out of this fella because he's got he's got some attributes there. But how do you turn him into a genuine NRL player? Do you look at those return meters, or do you turn him into a centre? You know, and really get him fit and keep that size on. Yeah. So I think you first thing is first you've got to pick what position you want him mm. in, and my. From what I've seen, I think he is probably a centre. Yeah, because he yeah. doesn't. I like. I thought for momentarily, I was like, "Oh, edge back row." I'm like, "No," but he's got his attacking prowess. Is about taking a player on yep. and using his his strength and power to to create a gap. Yep. Um, and I don't I don't see him as a as a whole runner. I don't see him as someone. Yeah, who's looking to, you know, put that body at the line. He, he looks like someone who wants to hold off, get clean early ball and take take players on. Yeah, so... And that would have to change if you're going to shift him in, in closer to the ruck. Mm, definitely. So I think that um, another preseason would do him well. I, I, what you would hope as a coach that he's experienced in the NRL and in the NRL this year, which is probably more than what Wayne was hoping to expose, need to expose him to this year, but mm. injuries, lack of depth, new club, he's had to expose him more. He'd be really, really primed to absolutely um, nail his pre-season, get his conditioning right, and I think he, he, he certainly got the attributes to be one of the real gun gun centres and, and have a destructive running game, probably similar to that of a Moses Suley. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because he, he's only 22, so he's a young oh, fella. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah. I I'm mean, that's it. That's, um, yeah, that was just had me thinking over the weekend. I mean, and then on the other side of the field, you've got Hamaso Tabuifido, who, mate, I'm going to put it out there, he is genuinely a human Rolls Royce. <laughs> like, effortless in his approach and just, he's slick. So tell me, is um, does Wayne seem as a centre? 
Because I thought he was going pretty well at fullback, or is this just simply a look? We're struggling with depth at the moment. It's either play you at fullback, uh, you you at fullback, and Cody Nicarima at centre, or you at centre and Cody Nicarima at fullback. Yeah, it could possibly be it. Mm. Yeah, um, it's working. I think you can put Hammer anywhere. Oh yeah, just give Hammer the ball. Uh, yeah, I think mm. he's probably. I'd have him at fullback, but you know. Well, I'd, I'm assuming that uh, that's probably where he wants to play. Mm. That was essentially, if he wanted to play in the centres, he probably could have stayed at the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, he, Scott Drinkwater was getting the, looked like he was getting the nod in the way that Peyton wanted to play up there. How well, the opportunity to come? Yeah, and he needs down. to play fullback up there because of his ability to ball play and create tries. Mm. Did and and, um, and uh, Chad Townsend are very good halves, but they're not creators yeah. they, know, they don't rank really high on the try assists unless they're getting them off kicks yep um speaking of our excellent outside backs mate you, you something's caught your eye with xavier coates mate i'm thinking um i was watching the game on the weekend mm. and i'm thinking like everton needs players they need a striker they need someone in the premier front, league don't they? Did you see Xavier Coates' header I on did. the way through? It come through and just hit him right on the end of the bell end, yep. and just it was an assist. How how's that a try? I did, I wasn't listening to the commentary on it, no, so I, I didn't hear what the rest were saying anyway. But I would be of the assumption that I mean, it's not your third leg yep. isn't just kicking it through. No, but is it no? Because the torso, if it hits the torso and goes forward, it's knock on. Yeah, you know. So if you miss the ball, but it hits your torso in the act of forward, trying to catch yeah. the ball, yeah. Yeah, so he's hit it on the run, and it's just come through, and it's hit him on the on the knob, mm. and it's just gone through, and he, he's scored the try. I mean, I didn't hear what what the outcome was in terms of reviewing that. I assume it was just you know as if it was play on, mm. but um, I thought, mate, put him up front, put him up front for the toffees. Dominic Calvert Lewin out of the way. Yeah, he's well. gonna he's gonna put his end on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. Speaking about players putting their end on it, um, Gutho, mate. What a legend. I mean, how many raps can we give this bloke? He Iron Man. Backed up from the origin. That was outrageous, mate. Have you ever seen someone back up so well? No. no. Oh, I couldn't think so, mate. Oh, mate. Couldn't well, think so. I well, mean, the, the hardest the three grueling, minutes anyone's ever played. The gruelling dead rubber that yep. he participated in for three and a half minutes on Wednesday night to come out on a Sunday night, get the longest layoff, mind you, yeah. <laughs> that everybody else in the league got who played in origin. And, uh, I mean, he went and did the due. Oh. He, uh, he did the job, mate. He, um, what an effort. Yeah, well, um, well done, Gutho. The uh, blokes running the water in the origin had more trouble backing up. Yeah, <laughs> oh, mate, they would, they would have been on the massage table before Clint. Um, mate, speaking of origin, uh, I, I mean, I know we've we've flogged it like a dead horse, but I, I've Before got we're going to go again. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because we love it. Um, I was listening to Gus Gould speak the other day, and he was. You know, pretty much come to the conclusion that Freddie is the only man for the job. I mean, we've called for his head here at the sports attention. I mean, I have personally. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he's just, he served his time. He's served us well at times. Um, obviously, as a player, he did uh, fantastically. Now, uh, we feared this, Grego. We were <coughs> passionate New South Welshmen. We wanted them to win. But we feared a win and a good win 
in a dead rubber last Wednesday night would lead to this sort of talk. Well, yeah, and I, but I don't know. Obviously, Gus is going to support Freddie because of his relationship with him. Mm. But in saying that, I don't know if this is the fear that I expressed in terms of that we'd get a win and then would sweep it under the carpet and go, oh, we're on to one here, on to the next year. I think it's more so the fact that there ain't anyone for the job, yeah. like which is embarrassing for us because we're, you know... Should, they should be lining up outside the uh, the performance centre at Homebush trying to get in for an interview down there, 100%, all the coaches. 100%. But on that note, it's come out in the last few days that Canberra have given R- Ricky the all clear. So Ricky. they want to get rid of him. <laughs> 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 Under one proviso, you don't coach us. Is that what, what the all clear was? Or? Oh, poor old Rick. Yeah, I'd say so, mate. But apparently Ricky's has shown some interest and Canberra said, mate, we won't stand in your way. We won't stand in your way. Maybe he does need to clarify that they weren't <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, neither will Brett White. Or <laughs> who's the – oh, no, it's Madge is down there as oh, assistant Madge. now. <laughs> He's rubbing his hands together. Oh, Yes. So anyway, maybe Sticky is the man for the job, but, you know. I, I think someone's got to be the man for the job. You know, I – you know, I see where Gus is going with his, his comment in terms of Freddie's the only man for the job, but I don't think that's on performance. Mm. I think that's based on availability, really. Yep. And which is, is very, very disappointing as a fan of New South Wales Rugby League. Should Freddie um, retain his position and Brandy as his advisor, it has become very apparent that help is needed and more so than the help that was currently there in game one and two. I mean, we saw yeah. Ivan in the box. I'm not sure what sort of role he played throughout the week. I'm not sure whether he had played no role and he was just there on the night. But to me, their best attack I'd seen in three years, they'd clearly come with a plan to combat Queensland's charging um, defence. Yeah. Playing with more depth. And it just seemed coincidental, more than coincidental, that... um. Ivan was sitting in the box. Well, I think one of the issues that I've got with it too is the fact that, uh, and I know I've, I've expressed my uh, my lack of knowledge when it comes around the Fox Sports shows, but I did see a, a clip of Buzz Rothfeld and Brandy sort of getting at it. Yeah. And that was just embarrassing. You know, oh. like it's, you know, I, I feel as though it's fair to, you know, pose tough questions to coaches, assistant coaches and the like. But it just smelt to me as if there's going to be a big agenda that's going to be driven within the media that Freddie, Brandy and that are never going to be able to get away with. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want that just as much as I want a new coach. Mm. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? This this is, you know, I... and Let's make a call. I mean... Give me, give me someone, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'll uh, you know if if it is Ricky and Canberra give him the green light, and Madge pays for his Uber. Hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll have him. You, you know what? You, there's nobody. We we here at the sports detention. We'll put our hands up. Absolutely, we'll do the job. Yep. All right, mate. Moving on to uh, just touching on. Are we going to go back into the referees again, or have we done that enough? What what's got you? Are, you? are we still on Parramatta? Just is that easy? That, that, that's what. Would you like me. to? Would you like to vent? 
No, mate. I've I've had my vent on that, and I, I've I've gone inward. Uh, Parramatta got the win, so at the end of the day, I'm not um, ropeable as I would be about that. But the Titans were unlucky, mate. Oh, mate, they were pure unlucky. You pure need un- to you need to have some consideration for the fact that the Titans were unlucky. I do, mate. So what I'll do is we won't go into it, but I'll put it out there to you, mate, and I'll put it out there to all our loyal listeners. Get yep. on the socials. Jump Let on, us know what you think. Jump in the comments. Let us know what you think. Um, are referee decisions, the picking, the nitpicking, the pedantic, the inconsistency, are they having too big an influence on result? Let's have a look over the next couple of weeks. Let us know what you think. Yeah. I could jump to a conclusion and say I don't know about the result, but in terms of my enjoyment of watching rugby league, fucking hurting me. Hmm. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. It, it hurts me, mate. All right, uh, mate. Well, we'll get back to you on that one. Get the feedback in, guys. Uh, round 21 coming up, mate. As what do we said, got, mate? Really getting towards the business end of the season. Yep. Um, well, do your best. Work your hardest to watch this on Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen. The Dragons versus the Tigers. Oh, <laughs> where are the needles? I've got fresh oh. eyes here for you to stick them in. That is the Who Cares Cup. Uh, the Raiders versus the Warriors at, um, on the early game on Friday. That could be a damn good game down in Canberra. Mm. Uh, top four position on the line at the end of that one. The tight, no, sorry, the Rabbits versus the Broncos. Ooh, that is a tantalising match mm. as well. Titans versus the Roosters. Or you could almost get a blunt object to strike me with on that one as yeah, well. I think so. The Chooks are awful. They are struggling at the moment. And as we've discussed, the Titans are just unlucky at the moment. So, yeah. you know, they'll probably lose to an awful team. Yeah. Uh, the Knights versus the Storm. I think the Storm are going to be far too good there. Uh, the Cowboys versus the Eels. That's my match of the round. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, Paramount's a few troops down. Cowboys are looking very strong. I think we might find out here who are pretenders or contenders. Well, the Cowboys are looking good at the moment. They so. are. They are. Ooh. And the... the Eels are looking a bit shaky, had a couple of suspensions, but if they're the real deal, they'll find a way to, to have a red hot crack up there. A bit of a possibles versus probables sort of scenario. Uh, then you've got the uh, like it. Panthers versus the Dogs, please. Are you kidding me? Then you've got the Sharks. Uh, oh, no, Sharks. Who the Sharks got, mate? Um, Manly? Sharks versus Manly, I believe. Uh, so, uh, Sharks... Versus, yeah, you'd be looking for a performance, wouldn't you, from the Sharkies after uh, what's been a pretty ordinary last week against um, the Warriors. And then uh, Redcliffe should get the bye done comfortably, you'd have to think. Yep. Uh, Panthers-Bulldogs, mate. Yep. It's a tough game for the Panthers, mate. I'm telling you, you might think I'm taking the piss here. Mm, I do. A bogey team. Bogey team? Bogey team, I'm telling you. They're, They're dual performance. Three times in the last six years, you've only beat them by 25 points or plus, so tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. Oh, mate, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be bringing back any of my um, stars if there was even a hint that they were um, that they were. Struggling. Well, Nathan Cleary was named as yeah, on yeah, the I standard think bench. I, I, yeah, that's why I think. Give him another week. Yeah. I'd play him this week, though. It'd be a good good little hit out, hit out for him. So if I said you can't pick that one as your match of the round, mate, where would you go? Um, oh, I mean that. Yeah. I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> Rabbits Broncos for me, mate. Yeah, I that think, one. Um, Licking my lips at that one. Yeah, I I believe the Broncos 
they're doing the job. The rabbits have the ability to beat anyone on their day. Um, so it's going to be a really good match, I think. I think you're right, mate. I think you're right. You know, I Adam Reynolds versus South is always a, a good storyline. It's um, Has he beaten him yet since he's been up there? I don't think so. Not, no, probably not. No. Yeah. Oh, well. it's, uh, that's Friday night game, isn't it? Yeah, we'll learn yep. a bit about both that's, squads. That's, that's prime time, that. Yep. All right, mate. Well, that does us for the footy. Fair bit that went on, but um, should we get on the stream of the week? Stream of the week, mate. What do we? What did you check out this week, mate? We had a bit of a discussion, a bit of a debate over what we were going to look at. But we went over. We we ended up going with something that we just couldn't go past. We we we've spoken here many times about how we love a good sports documentary. Absolutely. Anyone good? I reckon we've given it away to. to any loyal Netflix viewers here, quarterback. Quarterback, yes. Yeah. It was good. What do you think of it, mate? Mate, well, I'm I'm pretty deep into it now. Mm. Um, six episodes? Yeah, is it six? it's eight, I think. Eight, is eight? it? Sorry, yeah. I thought it was six. Yep. I, I don't know. It could be six. I think I'm fair fair, fair way through it. Um, so quarterback, it's Kirk Cousins, Paddy Mahomes, and uh, Marcus Mariota is who it follows in the same way as your sort of all or nothing uh, sports documentary style. So it's been pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. It's, yeah. Um, so many couple of episodes in now, um, about one and a half. And, yeah, just, just what we've spoken about before with your other ones, your full swing, et cetera, mm. that we've reviewed before, just that behind-the-scenes look at what – what they go through to be professional athletes, what they're thinking, um, yeah. their story, their background. It's, yeah, I loved it's, it. It's funny, um, like, because you look at the, obviously the quarterback position mm. is a very, very unique position in itself. There's one of them in each team. Yep. And um, it's pretty cutthroat. But, it, you know, the amount of work that goes into them preparing for a game and you see it just littered throughout the documentary is just mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, I was actually really impressed with, uh, although he sounds like Kenny Powers, but he, uh, Paddy Mahomes, I, I hadn't really paid much attention to him off the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's obviously a very, very popular player. Um, but just to see him in this documentary was really, really good because, you know, you realise how... Yeah, sort of professionally is. Yep. But also too how quite down to earth and a, a pretty uh, humble competitor he is as well. Yeah. Which is which is always pretty impressive because he's always been perceived as this young, you know, strapping buck that's come onto the scene and just taken the league by storm. Yeah. But he's yeah he's pretty pretty down to earth, you know, and he he works very very hard. Yeah, and you know he. he he speaks about the fact that his personality, like the bit I found interesting was he talked about how many decisions a quarterback has to make and he basically in his life, he uses all his decision-making energy or power to being a quarterback. But then everything else he's like, oh, my wife, I let her pick my clothes that I'm going to wear to the game. I don't want to do a yeah. thing else because this is so heavy. Yeah. That's where all my attention's got to be. Yeah. yeah, and um, that that happens like later on in the series. I don't think you know if you're up to it. Like Kirk Cousins is talking about he's has Tuesdays off. Yeah, and his wife's like, oh yeah, no, we wouldn't be together if he didn't have Tuesdays off. 
because that allows me. He has Tuesdays off where he drops the kids at daycare, he reads fan mail, responds to it, and then we spend the day together. Yeah. And she talks about her love language and all that, and anybody with, you know, a wife who's thrown that book their way would know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but she talks about it as quality time, as a love language, and basically he's given that, and all the coaches in the past and that have said, oh, you're absolutely mad, that's... You know, you've got to be preparing for the game. He's like, no, I had to give Tuesday. And then every other moment of my life is just completely absorbed with being a quarterback. Yep. So, you know, my wife allows that because I give her that day. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating. He's, yeah. yeah, a real different cat old Kirk Cousins as yeah. well. Like he's, um, yeah, very, yeah, humble, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Pat, um, Patty Mahone's interesting. As well, yeah. isn't he? Like, he, I, like I knew, but I, obviously now, two-time Super Bowl winner. He's twenty-seven. Yeah. Like wow. And Tom Brady played till he was forty-five. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, you got to have a few things go your way as far as injuries and whatnot is concerned. But geez, like. Yeah. But they look after themselves, you know. They like do. Pat Mahomes, he was had a few injuries. And he had his old trainer mm. that um, I believe it was Stroud, Stroud Performance. So yeah, yeah, this yeah, fella, yeah. and he said, well, move your facility to Kansas City. You work with me. So he's obviously got a facility in which he works with other athletes, but he moved his business to Kansas City to be where Paddy is. Yeah. So he could work personally with him. Yeah. And he said it's changed his, you know, so if you're thinking about – you know, he's got strength and conditioning coaches at the at the organisation, yeah. at the, you know, but he's, the Chiefs, but he's going, no, 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 no I'm, I'm bringing this guy over and he's going to start his own business and build his business around me being here in Kansas City, yeah. which is crazy because he's paying for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the work, even Kirk Cousins, he's got people coming over every couple of days doing therapy in his house, yeah. all this extra stuff. And let's not, you know dodge the, the elephant in the room, the team and the organisation is providing this for them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is them going above and beyond. So that's the difference between them being, you know, the best and being the rest, yeah, essentially. Yeah. You know, they're, they're investing in themselves as athletes as well as getting the fruits of, you know, and you, yeah, you, you hear about, you know, I, there was a story the other week about Zlatan Ibrahimovic complaining that he had to pay for a coffee at United once. You know, like this idea that everything is handed to these players on a platter what is one thing, but on the on the other side is these these guys are willing to invest in themselves and make that investment to, you know, ensure the longevity of their career is there. Mm, that's right. Well, he's thirty four now, Kirk Cousins. So mm. in a lot of other sports, that he might be getting awards the end but you know what he's investing himself he might still be going for another five or six yeah. seasons and marcus mariota was the the other one in the in the documentary and and he's had a pretty a, an interesting career mm. um i remember when he you know came out of the oregon ducks and won the heisman and he was drafted um a lot of raps around him i believe was he was in the same draft class as Jameis winston yeah, I think there was a couple of QBs in that draft class. Um, I, I I believe there was one more. I can't for the life of me think of it at the moment. But you know, he came into the Tennessee Titans with a 
with a real reputation, um, obviously being the first sort of Polynesian athlete to win a Heisman. He was, you know, being and playing the position of quarterback coming from Hawaii. Um, but he just seemed – he has seemed to struggle to get his feet in an organisation and have sustained success, which has impacted his ability to maintain the top job. Yep. You know, and, and that's seen through his transition from being at the Titans, going to the Raiders, and then in this documentary, uh, seeing him at the Falcons. So if anybody, you know, is up to date with their football, they know that he's not there anymore. He's at the Eagles. Yep. But, um, yeah, so it was really, really interesting to see that dynamic within it as well. Well, this will be interesting because Philly's coming off a um, Super Bowl um, appearance last year. Didn't get it done, but it was close game. Mm. And... Um, They've drafted really well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether... So, I mean, even if he doesn't get the starter job, yeah. you know, he gets a ring. Yeah. I mean, Tavares Jackson yeah. has got a Super Bowl ring, yeah. mate. He played for the Seahawks in 2011. That's like, right. You know, you, you're still a part of a successful organisation. It's, um, yeah, but it's really, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you want... You want a coach and organisation to put that trust in you, but it's so cutthroat that if you're... You know they're drafting a new kid next year, and is and which happened at the Falcons. Um, yeah. You know, chomping at his heels, and and you know a couple of losses, and next minute um, he's on the bench. So, That's right. That's yeah. right. But it was um yeah it was really really interesting. I, I was really impressed with the professionalism of of those three players. I think re- three really good personalities to have on there because they're all different they're in all their different. own they way. Didn't just get the party boys or yeah um, yeah. I, I I really liked it. If you had to give it a rating. Gregor? Yeah, it's got to be another nine. Yeah, another I think nine. I give all sports documentaries a nine. <laughs> <laughs> what'd you give? What'd you it's give? Good. What'd you give? Warning. Oh, warning! <laughs> warning the the Channel Nine version. That's an NA. <laughs> yeah, I regurgitated that. Um, oh yeah, mate! I had to give it from what I've seen so far a nine. Really thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, oh, it gets better. Like yeah. it's um, especially as you get towards the the end where it starts to go pear shaped for Mariota at, at Atlanta. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched it. Obviously, I've already alluded to the fact that he's at Philly now. But when he's sitting on the bench, he makes a decision to not come back to the squad and to get knee surgery. Yep. So um, often what were, what it was interpreted while um, while he was there was the fact that, you know, far out, mate, what type of a teammate are you? You've been put on the bench, you sure, and you just disappeared. But he's going, well, you've put me on the bench. I'm going to go and get myself right so that I'm ready for another cl- team to pick me up next year because I'm not going to sit on the bench like it's it's that real interesting dynamic mm. between an NFL team being able to just throw you out like the trash and the fans having that connection with the the team and going oh you need to be professional and do this but he's going I can see the writings on the wall this kid who's taken my starting job is probably going to be your franchise quarterback yep. I'm not getting the spot back so I'm going to go and get this long-term knee injury. I'm going to get surgery on it, and I'm going to go and hit myself into a preseason program so that I'm working out. And teams who are looking for a quarterback are looking at me and going, "You're the guy." Yeah. 
You know, so there's that balance on what does he do for his career as opposed to worrying about the franchise that he's contracted to at the time. Mm. And it was, it's fascinating too because all this occurred and he was dropped 24 hours after his first daughter was born. Yeah. You know, like think about the human that is involved in that. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, these professional sporting franchises, these organisations, it is cutthroat. It is yeah. ruthless. Like, as far as being ruthless, as like we talk about the NRL sometimes, but they're amateurs. Oh as no, far as being no, ruthless. yes, yes, guaranteed money. Yeah. You know, oh they cut they cut this player. He's got he's been told he's no longer. Well, he's still getting his coin. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you ain't getting paid, mate. If you're not at work. Uh, yeah, so, mate, good documentary. Go and check it out, guys. Quarterback on Netflix. Um, yeah, if you've got any reviews, any ideas, any any comments on that, you... I would go as far to say I don't reckon you would have to be an NFL fan to enjoy oh, it. Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's like my wife and I, we sit down and watch Drive to Survive. We watch Full Swing the whole lot. Yeah. She loves it as well. Um, you know, and she was uh, watching it the other day and go, oh, this quarterback thing. I said, oh... You know you've seen Paddy Mahomes play live, don't you? She goes, no, had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, well, the beauty of being married to me. You yeah. get all these experiences and you don't even know about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so quarterback, go and check it out. And as always, guys, get into us on the socials. We'll, we'll get your comments read out on the show. We'll get your ideas and, and we'll have a bit of a discussion about it. Right, yeah, mate. Mate, that can only be one time. Premier League time. Football. Football. Mate, I'm going to jump straight to the big hitting news in the football world, mate. Toffee time. Toffee time, you have oh. done it. You've signed someone. Mate. Who have you got? Mate, uh, Ashley, not so young. Ashley Veteran. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Veteran, oh. former Man United great. He was a, he was a Manchester United captain, yep. obviously. I, I you know. Now, we're talking six years since he's been at United? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yep. been a while. He went back to – he went to Inter Milan mm. initially from United. Then he went back to Villa where he was before he went to United. Um and he's, he's ended up at, at the Toffees now. Now, you do know Ashley Young. He, he started off as a winger. Yep. And then obviously spent the, the back end of his career playing in, in a more defensive role, um, sort of pushing forward. He's, um, you know, I, I liked him as a player. I, I really did. He's a completely different player. The one that he signed uh, when he was at United, who signed for United all those years ago. Um, but he's, he's a captain. Mm. He's a leader. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see how he goes at Everton, to be honest, mate. Yeah, well, you know, so look at it from a positive angle. We needed somebody. <laughs> we yeah, need, well. We, well, we need, uh, obviously the big concern is he is uh, 38 years of age mm. uh, and, um, you know, not getting any younger. So he's definitely not a long-term solution. But as far as, um, you know, Toffees are concerned, they just need to start playing a better brand of football. Can he lead to yeah. that, Grego? Um, I think he's, he's probably someone who can provide a very good link between the coach 
and the and the playing group. Mm. So I think uh, when you've got a coach such as Sean Dyche, um, Ashley Young's very coachable, obviously, but someone who's gone from being a real attacking winger, um, one of the best in the league, to then being a defender mm. and being able to adapt their game. He's obviously a very coachable player. He's also a leader, so he's someone who's going to probably work really well with the young players, with the coaching staff, and be able to sort of provide a conduit between those. For someone like Sean Dyche, who's trying to change the face of this team mm. and the face of the club, I mean, I think he'd be a good signing. Yeah, and they still need somebody up front though, don't they? They do, they yeah. definitely do, unless Ashley Young's going to go back up front. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or Dyche oh. is playing 11 at the back. I did um, read somewhere or somebody told me that, um, that they were looking at Jamie Vardy. But, um, I mean, that's not a bad shout if you're looking at veterans. Yeah, that's right. He's what is he, 36 um, as well. Mate, I'd, I'd, I mean, if you could, even at United, if you could have Jamie Vardy just sitting on the bench yeah. and you're playing against a big team in Europe or, you know, one of those matches where you might be playing on the counter, having a Jamie Vardy, or if you're a team that's in that lower end of the division who is going to be playing on the counter, I mean, Jamie Vardy's not a bad get. Mm, well... Yeah, it was probably bullshit anyway. So. <laughs> well, speaking about bullshit, you do realise that one of the highlights of Ashley Young is the fact that he was shat on in the mouth whilst playing in the game, don't you? Have you seen that before? No, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, so he's, I th- he still denies it. However, there's a... I'll see if I can try and get the video up here. Um, he's got this... Uh, yeah, so I'll see if this video's got it. Here we go. I'll press play for you here, mate. And you tell me if he gets shot in the mouth. Oh. It's clearly, it's clearly bird shit, <laughs> getting him in the mouth. And he, to this day, has denied it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Claim it, mate. Claim it. Yeah. yeah. It might have tasted good. And he just didn't even realise. So, yeah, so a uh, new uh, signing for Evan. Uh, yeah. He's well, got some highlights, mate. Well, only way is up, hopefully. Well, actually, there is a little way down as well. <laughs> <laughs> that bird shit was going down and it went straight down into his mouth. But what else is happening, mate? Uh, Harry Kane. What, what is happening? Harry Kane. So, Ange... Postacoglu, Aussie Ange, he mm-hmm. spoke really, really well. I don't know if you listened to his um, his press conference, his first one for Tottenham. I listened to the whole thing. It was for 30 minutes long and I, I, you know, I'm not a massive Spurs fan, that's for sure. Mm. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. He spoke about Harry and basically said, look, when he gets into the club, we'll have a conversation about what he sees for the club, what I see for the club, and we'll go from there. It was really, you know, Ange plays with a straight bat. Yep. Ange is, you know... Yeah, as good as it gets when it comes to sitting in front of the media. And it was really evident throughout that whole interview he had. The best was um, Ndombele, who was a big signing for them. He'd been at AC Milan last year. He'd won the league the previous year before that, I believe, at AC Milan. He'd been on a two-year loan and he's back. And um, he said to him, he said, oh, you know, he's working hard, but he's got no option. Mm. And just that quick whip of a comment like that, I think, raised the ears of everyone in the press room. Oh, that's how he taught. Like, that's what he's like on the yeah. training field. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's good. He's working hard because he's got no option. 
Yeah. You know, that's, and that is what the difference is going to be for Spurs, having someone like Angus as their manager. Yeah. And, you know, I don't like Spurs. No, I'm united through and through, but I love a good Aussie. And yeah. I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye to see how Ange goes. Good luck, Ange. Yeah, so anyway, back to Harry Kane. It's um, Bayern are really appear to be really pressing for him, um, it, and it's absolutely hilarious. So you, you, the way football transfers work is a player under contract. You have to agree a transfer fee with the team that has holds their contract before you can then enter negotiations. So you can't tap players up. They call it. But for some reason, they're always publishing the fact that they've agreed personal terms with whoever they're going to. And, uh, yeah, they've just got to agree a price with the club. It's like, that's tapping up. You can't do that. Like, you know, obviously it, it happens. Yep. But, um, yeah, so – and it's just a rage. Like, the amount of times that I've even just looking in in the news around player transfers where they go, oh, they've – you know, Harry, Harry Kane has agreed a, a deal with Bayern, but, uh, yeah, they've just got to agree a price with uh, – with Tottenham, and it was the same with um, I. I don't know who is the um, the football manager there at Bayern. Um, it's not Rummenigge anymore. Um, but anyway, he was quoted the other day in saying that um, if the the conversation that we have with Harry is that he commits to us, then that's enough for us to then go and make this transfer happen. Mm. I was like, but that's tapping up, mate. You yeah. can't talk to me. Like, yeah. it's just so bizarre how they could just openly say in the media that we're already having a conversation. He's, he said to me that he'd like to come, but if he says it publicly, we can actually go and it's like, so you've already talked to him. Like, yeah, yeah. you can't do it. It's illegal. <laughs> like, it's just, oh, I mean, you know. But that's just ignored. Just ignored, no. But uh, unless it's a, unless it becomes a problem and it ends up on the front page of the Sun or one of those UK papers. Um, speaking about players moving on, mate. The uh, the Saudi league is doing a lot of Premier League clubs a favour at the moment because they are looking like they're picking up a lot of players that could you know clubs could be looking at struggling to move on mm. you know you've got uh, Fabinho and Rio Riyad Mahrez who mm. are looking likely to head over to Saudi Arabia and join the Exodus yep. um, you know and you think about clubs sort of collecting a bit on these players you know at least maybe a 20 30 million pound fee yep but also to getting these players off the wage bill that is fundamentally one of the massive problems that my club has had you know United can't move players. Like, we had freaking Phil Jones on a four-year deal where he hadn't even played a game for us. He was on 150 grand a week. Yeah. You know? Like, there's not, oh. an, there's not another club that is going to take... How yeah, that, mate? going to take the hit on that. Like, we, we laugh in the NRL sometimes where, you know, a club's picking up 200 grand of someone's wage. But we're paying him that a week. <laughs> and he was training with the kids. Like... <laughs> doing nothing you know so a lot of these players who might sign long-term deals then become surplus to requirements um, especially if they're in teams within the big six who mm. can pay those higher wages those clubs have just got no way of moving those players on yeah you know so you look at someone like um 
for example, Harry Maguire, he's been stripped of the captaincy at Manchester United and it looks like he, he doesn't really fit in with what Eric Ten Hag wants to do. Someone's got to come in and not only Man United want to get a bit of cash back for him because they paid 80 million quid for him, but then somebody's got to be able to pay his wages on top of that. Yeah. And being captain of Manchester United, you would assume that he's probably up around the 200 grand a week. So there's not really where he's going to go unless he's going to City, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, the clubs he's not going to go to. Yep. There's very few that could pay that 200 grand. So you're left stuck with this player until the end of his contract. Yep. So that's why, you know, clubs are really, really battling. And when the Saudi money comes in, like it has, I mean, you're rubbing your hands together. You're showing them the catalogue. Yeah. You go, jump to our player profiles and point out who you want. <laughs> They're yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting one. And there was a bit of, bit of talk about it. Um, I'll get back into the Harry Maguire, Man United stuff in a moment. But um, Jordan Henderson, mate, another example who looks like he's moving off to Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, a good opportunity for someone in Jordan's position to be able to go over there and, and continue his career. Um, he's, he's probably, you know, at the end of his time at Liverpool, he's been a, a captain for them as much as I, I dislike the club. He's, he's served them pretty well. However, he's copped heat around the rainbow laces. So, and this is what's happening at the moment. He has been a real vocal advocate for the you know what they're deeming the the rainbow movement with the armband the laces in in trying to you know stomp out homophobia and the like within within football fair play yeah but then he goes and signs in saudi arabia where it's highly illegal (laughs) some would say frowned upon yeah you know and then but then the whole narrative becomes the fact that he's you know undid all this work or something or, you know, all this, you know, justice movement that he's advocating for people who are being, you know, on the on the fringes and then he goes over there and that all undoes it all. Like it's, it's the way we think and the way we report on these things is so dumb. Yeah. You know, no, he's going there to play football. He's going to kick a sack of air around a grass field. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not throwing everyone under the bus. Like, I, it was just really bizarre. And the fact that, you know, obviously cesspits like Twitter just went alight with it all and sort of hammered him for it. But, yeah, he, it looks like he's going to Saudi Arabia and joining, I think he's joining Stevie G. He'll be there. Yeah, so Stevie G will be there as well. So, yeah, it's all happening over Mate, in the uh, in the Middle East. What's going on? <clears throat> um, Ronaldo came out today and said the Saudi league is better than the MLS. Oh, yes. Yeah, just having a swipe at Messi again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you do. He never misses. No. But, um, mate, if I jump back to, to the Man United captaincy, um, Harry Maguire put out a statement. I mean, he gets a lot of shit, Harry Maguire. And he has from fans. Um, I've been pretty soft on him. I, you know, I don't. He plays a certain style of football that my club is no longer going to play. So I can see that you know he's surplus to requirements, and I can see why he's not playing. Yeah, he was signed by the club under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who played a very, you know, specific type of football relying on the counter attack, where you're going to be sitting a lot deeper as a defensive unit. He now 
plays under a manager who wants to play out the field, who wants a goalkeeper who can actually probably stand on the edge of his box and play with his feet. Yeah. Harry Maguire cannot turn and run. He gets burnt by every striker in the Premier League. Yeah. So he's very, very good when he's sitting at the edge of his box. That's what he does for England when he plays in a three. He's very, very good. As soon as Eric Ten Hag's come in, I mean, the gaps in his game oh, have become yep. evident. You know, so he goes, he's an £80 million defender, any team in the second half of the table. Yep. Absolutely, he's worth his weight in gold because they're going to be playing far deeper. You come to a top six team, you become the the captain of Manchester United. You are playing on your halfway line. And on a counter-attack, you're getting smoked because you've got to try and chase these rapidly fast strikers who are burning you. And that's where he's been caught out. You know, so he's got a lot of heat for that. But the fact that he's no longer the player for United, because, you know, obviously things happen with the manager and like, but the way he's handled himself throughout this, I think, has been pretty impressive. Now, he put out a statement. Did you see the statement he put out? Uh, yeah, I think I did. So yeah. he, put out, he put out a statement to say that, you know, he you know, had a discussion with the manager that the manager decided that um, I will no longer be the captain of Manchester United Football Club. Um, I'm extremely disappointed. You know, I'm completely paraphrasing here. Um, however, I will do my all for the club moving forward and, you know, every time I wear the shirt. Yep. What more can you ask? Class. For? You know, Class. what more well can you played. ask? Well played. Yeah. And, you know, you think about the amount of shit that he gets in terms of, you know, people thinking that he's, you know, got complete, completely no talent. He's a player who cost £80 million and we're excited to get at the time. Yeah. Because of the way we played. Yeah. You know, it hasn't worked out, but I'm sure he'll find somewhere else if he does find a move. Mm. Um, and, you know, if he's a man of his word, he'll be extremely professional if he doesn't move. Yeah, well, and I'd say he will based on that statement that he's put out there. That was all class. Yeah. But to summarise it all, Potty, hmm. Eric Teng Haag, my manager, he gives zero fucks and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he has basically, if you look at the last 12 months, he has moved on anybody who has stood in his way to what, the way he wants to play football. Cristiano Ronaldo. Possibly the greatest footballer of all time. See you later, mate. You don't want to listen to me? Go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You're not here. David De Gea, our best goalkeeper we've had. Okay, you're not the goalkeeper for me. You've been here for 12 years. You want this contract? I'm going to give you half your money. You know, this is where I see you as a footballer. No, that's not for me. I want a different challenge. Okay, see you later. Yeah. And now... We look at Harry Maguire. You're not the defender for me. You're the club captain. I inherited you as a club captain. You're not my captain. I'm taking the captaincy from you and I'm giving it to a player who's going to play every game. Yeah. I mean, ruthless, but exactly what we needed as a football club. Yeah, well, that is ruthless, but we spoke about it before when we were talking about quarterback. Ruthless world. That's, that's sport, mate. Yeah. And. I mean, there's a special on Manchester United jerseys, mate, if you're interested. Mate, I'll hold, I'll hold back. <laughs> I'll hold back. I, I, I just, just get the feeling I might be, might be talking you over to the dark side, brother. Mate, I, I, honestly, I'm, I, I would, but I'm saving for me Arsenal third kit. So. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, splashing, splashing some serious dosh on that, bruh. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, mate. A lot happening in the football world, but um, is it time for the integrity? Absolutely, it's time for the integrity report. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. Rightio, potty. Integrity issue. You have got the floor today, mate. What have we got? Mate, so it's been announced today, Victoria's cancelled the upcoming 2026 Commonwealth Games. It's just plain simple costing too much. So, well, released today. Did, um, they, did they not check that before they agreed to do it? Well, mate, the th- so according to the article I read today, basically none out of the other 17 nations put their hand up to do it. So it was, it was essentially, can you do it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Victorian Premier Dan- Daniel Andrews' decision to axe the 2026 Commonwealth Games could be the final nail in the coffin for the international sporting event. I got fond memories of the Com Games uh, growing yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. So, I-, I remember some of Australia's great swimmers, some of Australia's great athletes participating in the Com Games. Um, Mate. Particularly track and field. Track and field. Um, Sherva, Kuala Sherva. Lumpur. Yeah. So 98, sizzled. Yeah. 10.04 with his sack just bouncing everywhere. Love Who you, could forget? Love you, the early morning man. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, you know, so is it the end of the Commonwealth Games? I mean, is it time? Well, they're going to they're gonna portray that it is. Yeah. Um, I think it's still, it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's an opportunity for athletes who, who participate in those sports to compete. You yeah. know, you think about swimming, track, those those core sports of the Olympics, Commonwealth Games and the like. You know, to take that away from them is a pretty big blow in terms of, you know, cycling for, yeah. you know, events and the like because you've got your big one and being the Olympics and obviously the Con Games sort of splits that up. Yeah. Keeps you, keeps you active. You've got your world champs and the like that go through that time as well, which keep the athletes competing. But at the end of the day, like, you know, when we think about it, and it's often not on the forefront of people's mind, is, you know, all these sports are still competing with rugby league and AFL and football, yep, netball, all these other sports for talent. You know, so if you're a, a swimmer who is highly just a, a gifted athlete as a young competitor, you know, you've got the opportunity of competing for Australia in swimming, but you're also pretty talented at other sports. You know, you might go down the path of a team sport or something different because, you know, that opportunity of week-to-week competition, you know, building around your endeavours is, is far more sort of attractive to you. Yeah. So, I mean, you lose, that puts another hurdle on that, especially with, um, you know, with taking away something such as the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Yeah, so really sad announcement. It was it was going to be hurled in apparently regional Victoria. So Yeah, I see, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, we were up at the Gold Coast the other week and the – Infrastructure that had been put in place for the Gold yeah. Coast Games was fantastic. 2018, yeah. yeah. And they were great games. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, they can work. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Gold Coast, they might be good to go. Take it back. Well, I mean, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Um, I'm regional for the marathon. <laughs> regional Victoria, though. And this is, this is where flippers 
such as this Muppet down in Victoria and the way that people carry on like that, you know, the logistics of putting it in regional Victoria, this, this will give the country, we'll give the bush something. Yeah. It's like, sounds great, mate, yeah. until you try to put it together. Yeah. Like, they what are you talking the, about? Yeah. Look, can you imagine the costing of putting it in regional Victoria for facilities, yeah. infrastructure, accommodation? Like, it, it's, it's, it's in and what were you thinking? Massive buildings for birds to shit on for the yeah. next 40 years after it until they fall over. Yeah. Hey, do you know where in Victoria might have been a place to put it that's got a lot of great infrastructure anywhere? You, could you think of anywhere? Mm. No. Bendigo. Bendigo. <laughs> You're right. You nailed it. <laughs> what Absolutely. about it in Melbourne? I oh. mean, yeah. And that is and that is what has done, what I think has been the nail in the coffin here is the fact that they've committed to take it to regional Victoria. They've looked at the enormity of the price of running it mm. and imagine the, what, the black eye of canning it yep. as opposed to the black eye of taking it to Melbourne. Yeah. You know, they've basically you know, spineless in the way they act in terms of politicians. Yep. Um, they've obviously gone for the option of canning it. Yeah, maybe now, he didn't think he'd still be in the job. When he, when he now, the standard would be has been set, though, because the Birmingham 2022 games were meant to be the 2026 games. Mm. So they were – Durban had them in yep. South Africa, and then they were – obviously they relinquished the op- opportunity to host them uh, yep. for a range of reasons – uh, and Birmingham stepped in at 2022. Yep. So in terms of keeping the games going, my opinion would be the fact that if it is going to become an issue with getting the games to move around the Commonwealth, yep. just hold them in Birmingham. Yeah. Just if, I, if I'm, you know, sitting at the, at the council chambers of the city of Birmingham, I'm going, let's just do the... Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, and everyone comes to Birmingham every four years. Yep, we've got, we're ready to go. Yeah, we're good and to we'll go. just continue to turn over. We're the second biggest city in in the UK. Yep, and we're going to make this our thing. Yep, and could you imagine that? We'll bring lots of people there. Bring plenty of money there every four years. Every four years, I love it, mate. I love it. You're an ideas man. Yeah. All rotate every four years. Every every eight years, them in the Gold Coast. I'm happy with that too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously Brisbane's not going to step in. They've got the 2032 Olympics. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah, and that'll be, that'll be a good opportunity. Yeah. I See, I'm not a massive fan of hosting these things. I think they're stupid. Like everybody who frosts about hosting the World Cup, I couldn't think of anything worse. Why would we spend shitloads of money for people to come over here for two weeks and then, you know, have nothing to do with the facilities afterwards? What are we going to put 80000 at Brookvale? Like, you know, I don't get, you know, we, even when we bidded for the uh, World Cup, I believe it was 2018 or no, 2022, obviously this yeah, one yeah. was in Qatar. We bid, bid for that. I think we spent somewhere in the range of a hundred million dollars just for a bid. And it's like, what a waste of money. Like, you know, we don't need it. Yeah. I, I don't mind getting up at three o'clock in the morning and watching the World Cup on TV. Yeah. It's, I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I don't need it, you know, whereas a lot of people around, like, oh, we just love it, have it down here. I was like, oh, no, I'm quite happy for it to go elsewhere. Well, a lot of the people who love it and say they love it had 
the only you don't go to the event anyway. <laughs> no, just, no, they, they just, they just like go. The TV slot. They just like to tell everybody that the World Cup's in their country. <laughs> yeah. Um, now speaking about, look, we we're, we're going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole with this one, mate. Yeah. Um, speaking about bureaucracy and the way mm. things work is because you know I'm a, you know. I'm a bit of a punish for people who, who hang around me often and you, you'd probably be able to attest for that because I, I like to, you know, peel back layers on things. So anyway, I, thorough, I, thorough. I, I couldn't help but come across uh, a bit of additional information in relation to the organisation of the Commonwealth Games. Now, I'll have to find his name again. However, I thought let's dig into the organisation of the Commonwealth Games and look at some of the, the real issues that may have arisen when they were, they were discussing what to do with the Commonwealth Games. Okay, so first and foremost, I thought let's look at the timeline of how Victoria actually got the Commonwealth Games mm. and let's evaluate that and, you know, see if there's any issues there. Okay, so uh, just having a look here. I've probably scrolled past it, have I? Um, I think I have. This is uh, fantastic podcasting. This. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump straight to it, mate. The CEO of the organisation committee. Is a bloke named Yeroon. 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 Now I'm going to find his full name for you because this is where it all gets a bit funny. Yeroon Weimar. Now, when I looked up who Yeroon Weimar was, uh, I thought, well. How does this guy get into the position of organising the Commonwealth Games for Victoria? And do you know what his job was before that, mate? What, is, what, what, what was his job? He was the response commander for the COVID pandemic. <sighs> He's a fucking bureaucrat. Yeah. Like these dickheads just go around and do job for job working for the government in consultancy and we wonder why they can't organise anything. <laughs> so a bloke who has been absolutely hammered for the way a state ran a pandemic and responded to a pandemic who was the chief commander is now the bloke who is organising the Commonwealth Games which they've now thrown the towel in on. So the bloke who... Basically influenced Victoria or being the most lockdown place in the world during the pandemic. Yeah. Has now organised the Commonwealth Games. He got the gig, yeah. So pandemic's over. Hmm. We'll get you to organise the Commonwealth Games now so you stay on the payroll, bruh. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He was previously, and this is where, and like I said, I like to go in depth here, and this is where I went to the big hitter. And I, I mean, I'm giving away all my secrets here. I went to LinkedIn. Oh, I love a bit of LinkedIn. Never let you down. Because the amount of dribble people talk about themselves on LinkedIn 
it is worse than the original MySpace where everybody could see everything about you no matter how much of a dickhead you were. <laughs> so anyway, he has previously worked at Victoria Roads and he was the head of transport services. He held a similar job in the UK prior to that. So because he could organise a decent bus timetable, he got a job responding to a <laughs> pandemic, and now, because he did such a ripper job in that, he's got the job of organising a Commonwealth Games. Oh, mate. Like, I mean, this is some sort of a laugh, but it gets better, Potty. Because the beauty of somewhere like LinkedIn is you get to read recommendations. Jeffrey Dennis has written a recommendation on Mr. Yarun's LinkedIn. Yarun Weimar is one of those rare, exceptional leaders gifted with incredible energy who are able to achieve the impossible. Couldn't achieve the Commonwealth Games party. <laughs> oh, wrong. Wrong. Non-factual. <laughs> oh, oh, how good is this? Oh, what a piss take, mate. Just, I couldn't help myself. I peeled back the layers. But, I mean, the fact that when you wrap it around someone like like the Andrews government, and, I, I you know, I ignore politics as much as I can, but... You know, it just, when you start to unravel the organisation of these events and, you know, and then you've got a whole bunch of, you know, a lot of my mates and people who go, yeah, let's organise. I'm like, no, because you get fuckwits like this who end up with high paying jobs who can't organise shit. How do I get that job? Oh, I would employ you before I'd employ (laughs) someone who ran any sort of pandemic response. I mean, we absolutely butchered it. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, mate, um, it did really get me thinking, though. What are the most famous pullouts, mate? We've pulled, we've pulled out of the Commonwealth Games. Mm. What are some favourite pullouts that you've heard of in sport and, you know, even entertainment over the years, mate? All right, so I've got a couple here for us, mate. Um, so obviously some of the more serious ones, the Olympic game, Games, major sporting events, Wimbledon, et cetera, cancelled during... World War Two, World War One. Yeah, definitely, know. and obviously, um, so we've had some boycotts. Yep. you know, past that time in terms of disputes, mm. um, especially the Cold War era. Yep. Um, COVID. We touched on COVID yep. before. All sporting events cancelled or postponed. You remember the NRL shut down, the AFL shut down, everything yep. just went into shut down, um, especially Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeroen. Um. Something else we've mentioned on the podcast many a time, the 2003 Dally M's. The Mate. Craig Gow movement is alive here. Get the man, he's Dally M. That is a disgrace. They pull, They decided to pull out of the Dally M award ceremony and Gow, he didn't get his medal. And the entire uh, world pulling out of the premiere of Space Jam 2. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> trash. Yeah, I was not having any of that. I mean... Space Jam 2, well, would, you, would you rather Space Jam 2 or Warney? You've got to sit in a theatre and watch it. Or The Godfather 3. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah, Mate. shockers. Where's that um, I'm diarrhea going Space Jam 2. <laughs> I'm not watching Warney. 
Yeah, I'm probably with you on that, mate. Uh, mate, did you have any? <sighs> I got some, mate. Um, I, I started off. I think we had a similar idea here, mate. I started off with a, a serious one. You know, someone a, a thought provoker, Simone Biles, pulling out of the Olympic final in mm. the gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. Um, due to mental health concerns, it was a hotly debated topic. Obviously, you know, the US public were pretty brutal about it. The fact that you know you get a lot of funding and you know in terms of getting you to that Olympic level, which is public funding, and then pulling out and yep. and not bringing home the gold. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty brutal. Obviously, Michael Phelps was an athlete an athlete himself, obviously, who, who you know, won a lot of gold. He, he sort of said it'll be, a, it'll be a groundbreaking moment for mental health awareness. So there was, it was a real sort of paradox in, in opinions on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that was one thing. Uh, lay down Sally, mate. Oh, Obviously, it was family. a great song, uh, Eric Clapton. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't realise that's where it come from. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Sally Robbins, so she withdrew from the women's four final in Athens, but she did it mid-race. She did it mid-race. <laughs> when the rest of her team were still um, Yeah, I, I remember that going. they were yeah. filthy. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, she stopped the r- racing due to her perceived exhaustion. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Yeah, I mean that's could be very very harsh yeah. for for Sally. She might be going no, I, I was gone. I was gone, but you know, obviously the the teammates were pretty vocal about that. I, I believe she teaches yoga in Brisbane now. So Does she? Yeah. yeah, but anyway, she went. She continued to compete after that. But um, to be honest with you, mate, I'd really love to hear. And if anybody can point me in the right direction, I'd love to hear an interview or a, a long form conversation with her about it. You know what I mean? Because it's very easy for, for me to sit on the sidelines and for her teammates who weren't sitting in her seat in the boat mm. to be able to have an opinion on it. But I'd really, really be interested to, you know, where even where she feels about it now yeah. as opposed to back oh, then. Oh, that'd yeah. be a really interesting story. And if um, you'd like to get your voice out there, Sally, we'd be happy to have you on. Yeah, come on, sports attention. Mm. Maybe not since we referred you as Lay Down Sally. That might have been a bad start, but we love you. And, I mean, you know, if we need to do a couple of down dogs in your yoga studio prior to that, then we're up for it. Um, The Montreal Olympics. Yep. Now, a lot of people don't know much about, you know, that far back in the Montreal Olympics who who float around at our age, mate. But, um, you know... That was the Olympics where the great Bruce Jenner won gold in the decathlon. And don't jump all over me. He had a dick at the time. It was Bruce. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's up. Don't, don't go jumping down. Okay. Um, the stadium was incomplete when the Olympics took place. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So, so they had a, a lot of um, issues around the building of the stadium. So if you watch the, um, the Bruce Jenner documentary, I think it's on Netflix. Um, you see portions, like they're going through the legitimately the Olympics in Montreal and there's, there's rebar sticking out of slabs. Yeah, right. In the, in the stadium. Like it was so underdone. They, they had not got it done. So obviously the, um, the weather's quite temperamental over there up in the north of, of Canada, up in um, Quebec. So they had windows that were occurring throughout the – the autumn, uh, summer and spring area where they were planned on doing a lot of the works. However, the unions decided to strike. So they lost a lot of those windows leading into it and they just did not get it done. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was crazy. And a bit of a 
bit of fun information for you. The uh, Prime Minister at the time was uh, Pierre Trudeau. Yeah. Who was the father of Justin, who is the current Prime Minister. Wow. So, um, yeah, big connection there. Um, so, basically, there was inflation on the price. So, I think there was meant to cost him, <laughs> I think it was meant to cost him about $150 million. And it ended up costing them $7 billion. Like, it was just ridiculous. And the, they spent the next sort of 40 years as a city paying back the money that they owed on it. Yeah, well. And the roof was, of its time, it was a, you know, they've got the big sort of tower that oversees it that has the roof that runs off wires. Yeah. And it was a Kevlar roof. You know, so if you look at what we do now in terms of roofing on stadiums and yeah. compare it to what they had there, still got the Kevlar roof. Now they, they just have to replace it every 25 years. But if you think about the amount of money wasted on it yeah. and then basically you're stuck with it, they, what do they do in there? They don't, you know, they used to have the Expos who played there, which yeah. were the baseball team. They, they don't exist anymore. So it, it just sits there a lot of the time. It just sits there. Interesting story, mate. My wife and I were in Montreal. We went up Mont Royal, which is the, the mountain area there. Um, and I saw the stadium and said, look, darling, tomorrow we're going to go out there. We're going to go and check it out. I, I obviously have a f- fascination with sport and stadiums. So I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. We'll catch the train out there. Still to this day, I'm reminded that I owe my wife a day of her life back because <laughs> there was just nothing there. It is so – it was so run down, it was dog shit. Like, <laughs> so they'd spent all these billions of dollars on those facilities and they do nothing with it. Awful, oh, awful. An Money absolute spent. butchering. Now, the final one and the most interesting pull-out of all time, mate, Curtis Harper. Have you heard of him, mate? Curtis Harper? Yeah, boxer. Mm. No, I have not. Okay, I didn't think so. Um, Curtis Harper, I'm going to run a video for you, mate, um, who was involved in one of the greatest pull-outs of about um, and, you know, things happen in fights. Yep. You know, fighters get sick. A lot of, a lot of the time fighters will come in injured, you know, and they you know, just flat out struggle to make it to the to the bout. But when they do, you know, they, they get through it. Um, you know, injuries occur, the like. You know, you don't make weight. Doctors, you know, don't pass you clear, you're medically fit. You don't make the bout. So fallouts of fights happen. But they don't quite happen like this often, mate. So I'll run this through for you. Curtis Harper versus, I believe it's Effie. I'll just unmute it for the punters. Do not blink. Of his five professional bouts, four of them have been done in the first round. So he likes to bring an end to opponents in quick fashion. He's gone. He's gone. He has walked out of the ring. Wait, what? I cannot believe this. Effie Agjabda. Was the hot favourite who came in, and Curtis Harper's just got out of the ring. He goes, "Nah, I'm not fighting that bloke." <laughs> the fans have booed him. He's walked out. So, a little backstory on that is the fact that Curtis Harper, he um, obviously wasn't the favoured opponent. He came in with a record of 13 and five. He had nine KOs, so it's not bad. Yeah, and he's been like, he's not terrible. He's been matched up against Effie Jagba, 
who had a five and zero perfect record, five KOs. So he's obviously icing everyone. He gets his gets his gloves on, and got all the way through to the fight. And Curtis just went, you know what? I'm I'm not having this. <laughs> and he just got up and walked out of the stadium. <laughs> oh. Decent, decent pull out that one, mate. Well done, Curtis. But anyway, that's um. So moving back to the the Commonwealth Games and the integrity issue, mate. Um, what do you think? Where to now? Uh, Birmingham, mate. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, just rerun it. Yep, just go, right, right. We've got the facilities. We've got the know-how. Come on back here. Do you want me to be um, sort of, oh, I mean, throw something out there just for the for the listeners? Where Where I think this has all come from. And I reckon great journalist, Piers Morgan, would have my back on this. Megan Markle, mate. Megan Markle. Goes all the way back to Megan Markle. As soon as Megan Markle has sunk her claws into Harry, the Commonwealth Games is just everything's falling apart. Well tell you what. You reckon I'm onto something there? I reckon you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Markle. Oh. I mean there's gotta be some connection that the tabloids in Britain can drag towards Megan Markle. Uh, Megan Markle is the death of the Commonwealth Games. You heard it here first. I'm telling you. Yep, I agree, mate, 100%. Oh, very good. Rightio, mate, should we get into some sport? Let's do it, mate. Rightio, mate. Um, we're going to start with the fights. Did you, you happen to catch any of the fights on the weekend? Or was it the Apex? It was on KO. No, no I didn't catch didn't any. Didn't get any. I, I was able to watch it, mate. Um, so the card was mained by Holly Holm versus uh, Bueno Silva. Yep. Um, you know, pretty pretty crafty uh, bantamweight fighter, uh, Mayra Bueno Silva. She's a really good jiu-jitsu. Um, Holly Holm, obviously, the, the legend, the... Uh, the uh, Rousey killer, yep. as they call her. Um, you know, so it was a, it was a pretty good matchup. Um, Holly Holm was a favourite going into it, uh, but uh, she got done. Got done. Done, yeah. So guillotine submission, mm. uh, so obviously one with a jiu-jitsu, but, uh, yeah, massive, massive win for uh, for Mara Bueno Silva. And it was a standing guillotine too, so it sort of, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a tidy finish. She had the hands in the... In the right position, but that was Holly Holmes' game plan. Was she was pushing her up against the cage, sort of engaging in that dirty wrestling, boxing, yeah, uh, trying to wear her out. But uh, yeah, just got caught, got the head in the wrong position, and uh, a very very slick finish. Yeah, uh, for Bueno Silva. Um, another, I'll jump into that fight last. The uh, the co-main event, however, um, yeah, some some really good fights. Uh, low, lower on the card, there was a, a fair few finishes on the on the main portion of it, which was good. Um, Francisco Prado knocked out Otman uh, Azatar, um, which was a was a mate. Those boys were throwing heavy, so um, yeah, it was a good watch. And uh, Junyon Park beated Albert Durev, yeah. um, and that was a that was a pretty good fight too. The guys sort of went at it at middleweight. Um, he ended up getting uh, Park ended up getting a sinking a submission in, but he he sort of beat the brakes off him, got him got him down, 
dropped in with a punch and then, uh, yeah, sort of held that top control for, for a good portion before finishing him off with, a, I believe, a rear naked from my memory. Uh, but uh, Aussie Jack Della Maddalena, he got a fight. So last week he obviously missed out on the on the big card. Uh, his fight fell through twice. Um, however, American fighter Basil Hafez had stepped in to fight him at welterweight on this card and sort of gave it another another fight to uh, sort of fatten it up a bit. Um, now I watched this one after the fact, so I watched this card after I'd sort of got a. a sort of inkling on the results yep. and I'd seen on uh, a bit of the discussion around Jack Della Maddalena versus Basil Havers and they were saying because I, I mean Jack I think Jack was a dollar four yeah so he was he was highly talented maybe a dollar four no he wouldn't have been a dollar forty he might have been a dollar four yeah because right. he come in as a brutal favorite yeah um and you know with form and the fact that it was a last minute opponent was was another thing working in his favour. So, but Basil Hafez came in and he f- he fought well. Um, but what caught my eye early on it was that everyone was saying that it was a a poor judging decision. Okay. So I right. sort of said, oh well, I better check this one out and and put my critical hat on as I watched it. And I came to the conclusion at the end, mate, that people need to watch these fights on fucking mute because yeah. you know the the commentary and the way. It portray I like I love the commentators and they they provide an edge to the to the viewing experience, especially for those who don't really you know understand the sport or yeah. you know aren't participating in not any purist. way or just not purist. But it really really changed the perception on what was ha- actually happening in this fight. And uh, I mean, I'm watching it. I'm going, what? What are they talking about? Like, um, and even too, I've just spoken about it before. The tweets that come up on the screen. Yeah. So Justin Gaethje, who's a great fighter at lightweight, you know, he's you know been an interim champion before, um, knows his stuff, and he's saying, oh, I've got Basil winning this fight at the end. So that goes out to the masses, and they're watching it. And they're looking at somebody who's held a, a UFC title before, saying that he thinks Basil wins. Yeah, wow. And then he talks about how he has been training with Basil oh. lately. Like, it's just such a, like, you know what I mean? So you get this flood of people going, oh, it's a joke. You know, he controlled him, he wrestled him, he did this, that, and, you know, he, sh- he should have won the fight. No, if you think that Basil Hafez won that fight, he made a very, very good account of himself. I'll give him that. Absolutely. He, he fought his socks off and he deserves his time in the UFC now. But if you thought he beat... Jack Della Maddalena in that fight, you got fucking rocks in your head. Because taking someone to the ground, which in a lot of the situations with the fight was Jack was trying to sweep for a guillotine. Mm. Two times he got caught by the fence. So he tried to sweep him, he swept him into the fence and lost the position. Every other time he was taken down, he was attacking the guillotine. Yeah. So he's essentially giving up the position to try and attack. And then when Hafez had him on the ground... Hafez had position but did not throw one punch. Yeah. So he basically just wrestled with him and held him in the position. That does not score in MMA because it's about damage. If you hold someone down for six minutes in a fight, I mean, they'd want to have a couple of lumps and bumps on them by the end of it, and there was absolutely nothing. Jack was striking from the bottom. Jack was attacking with his jiu-jitsu. 
he was doing a range of things that clearly were winning him the fight or were negating the fact that he'd been taken down at least. Then when it was on the feet, I mean, Jack was doing the damage. He was piecing him up. Yeah. You know, I think if Jack looks at the fight again, he would say, you know, I probably made a few mistakes in trying to attack with that jiu-jitsu as it come down. Um, I lost the position and uh, things got a bit hairy because I put myself in those positions and I wasn't able to capitalise. But for people to go out there and say that there was anything wrong with that decision, I mean, you're wrong. Absolutely. It couldn't have been... You couldn't be further from it. it. Yeah, maybe you could go a, you know, a 29, 28 if you were, you know, being nice to Basil. But at the end of the day, like, it was it was a clear win for Jack Della Maddalena. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the big thing that sort of grabbed me with that one, mate. Um, looking at uh, upcoming card, mate, we've got uh, Tom Aspinall versus Marcin Tibura this week. So that, that'll be an interesting one, mate. But... Um, Nice little fight night. Uh, Aspinall comes off the back of an ACL reconstruction, so he's coming back off an injury. This so, first first fight back? Yeah, first fight back. So um, I believe it would be in the UK, I'm assuming, if, uh, yeah, it's in the O2. So uh, if Tom's fighting, Marcin being a Polish fighter in Europe. A um, couple of others on the fire, uh, on the card, Molly McCann, Meatball Molly. She always uh, gets a decent following and... Uh, Nathaniel Wood, Andre Philly, we've got Paul Craig, who's pretty uh, pretty slick jiu-jitsu player, versus Andre Muniz, Jai Herbert versus Faraz Zayam. But really uh, what we should be looking at, Aussie fans, is uh, Lerone Murphy uh, versus Josh Kulabayo. Uh, Josh Kulabayo being the Aussie, Aussie fighter there. He's, he's uh, strung together some good performances in the UFC, but very, very English-heavy, mate, this card. Yep obviously being in London. So that'll be something to look out for this weekend. But um, the action, mate, mm. it doesn't get any better than what you're going to share with us, does it? Mate, so the boxing world has come out. Something coming out in the boxing world. Mate. Tyson Fury. It's happening. Yeah. Um, Tyson Fury's got a fight coming up, mate. And it's 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 worlds colliding. Worlds, worlds colliding, colliding that's, that's what I sent out to you. Who's he fighting? Francis Ngannou, mate, and and so, there was a while there where I thought this, there's no way this could happen, but they've they've got it done. Yep. It's a it's a legitimate fight. Queensbury rules, um, you know. Ngannou it, is he any chance? I mean, you could say that anyone's a chance when they get into a, a fight. Yeah, but I mean, Tyson Fury. Huge favourite, yeah, huge favourite. If Francis, Francis, and what they will sell to us between now and this fight, which I will watch, I will buy it. Mm. Okay, you don't need to sell it to me. It's okay, I'm in. Uh, they will say that that Francis's touch of death, if he gets you, you know, will put anyone out. Yeah, but um, I don't know if that'll be uh, that'll be the tail of the tape. To be honest, I think. Uh, yeah, Fury is just, he's something else. Yeah. yeah. No, he I really he, is. I he's, think he's seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the um, that's the impression I get uh, straight off the bat, come into my world. And um, while, while, as you say, Nangano has his weapon, I imagine Fury will be um, keeping well away from that and um, doing yeah. what he needs to do to... 
I, I, yeah, I would be interested to see what the betting lines are at the moment, and if they're being, if they're trying to honey dick us in with some sort of decent price for Tyson Fury, guys, just. Put your house on it. Put your house on it. <laughs> you know. Sort of similar to what we saw a few years ago when Conor McGregor stepped in against Floyd. Yeah, I knew Conor would be able to box. Yeah. But, um, you know, Floyd's just it's just a different different kettle of fish. He, I, he's, I, he's not undefeated over 50 fights against some of the opponents he beat because he – yeah. No. But uh, but also, too, is, um, you know, Floyd was allowed to fight a different way when he fought Conor. Mm. I don't think people really understand who Tyson Fury is, mm. and um, I I think he's not only is he faster than people think he is because he is just so elite, but he's a gypsy, yep. and I don't think you know even comments like Joe Rogan made a comment recently on a podcast that I think Tyson Fury got a hold of saying that if he got into a room. With John Jones, there's only one person coming out, and yeah. it's not Tyson. I think he per like Tyson Fury takes offence to that yeah. because he's a gypsy. Yeah. And if anyone spent any time in the UK, or you could just go on YouTube and have a look at gypsy bare knuckle fights, those guys watch. Hey, watch Snatch again. Yeah. They're different people. Yeah, you know. So Tyson Fury would take a comment like that personally. You know, forget your wrestling. If we're going into a room, I'm not coming out unless I'm in a box. So I want to hope he puts me in that box. Like it's, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, we have the potential to be able to see Tyson Fury in a different manner, but also too, like it's entertainment. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated with what will happen. But you know, I think it's uh, it's a like, we've seen Tyson Fury be hit before. He got hit by Deontay Wilder. Yeah. And I swear he was dead. Yeah. And then he did The Undertaker and yeah. sat up, like, and then won the round. Yeah. You know, so we've seen him be hit before, whereas I don't know if Francis has ever seen Tyson Fury before. I tell you what, he hasn't. Yeah. I'll, I'll make that bold statement. He hasn't seen Tyson Fury before. Yeah. You know, so I think that's going to be probably the big difference. Yeah, well. But I'm in. I'm buying it. We're in. Yeah. We're in. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to tell me for the next few months before it happens that Francis is a chance, um, I'll just listen. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen to you, but, um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Oh, mate, looking forward to it, looking forward to it. Tennis world, mate. Yes. Wimbledon's Wimbledon. come and gone, and a big upset in the final. Sounds, I mean, world number one. Uh, uh, Carlos Alcaraz won, but he beat Novak Djokovic. Yeah. You know, the great. uh, 23-time major winner, Novak Djokovic. So Novak won the first set 6-1, and he actually won the first five games. So Carlos came out, and he was very, very nervous. Um, But to come back from that and win in five, and he won the last set 6-4, what an unbelievable effort. And it... It's got a lot of people talking. Is this the changing of the guard? Is this finally mm. the beginning of the end for those big four um, who've dominated on this stage for so long? To give you a bit of an insight into how long they've dominated, uh, besides the names Roger Federer with eight, Novak Djokovic with seven, Murray with two, Nadal with two, do you know who the last person was to win 
the Wimbledon title. Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt, 2002. Yes, Leighton Hewitt. Come on. In 2002. Yeah. Has the – that is the length, the stretch. Yeah. The – severity if you will of the dominance of the big four and in particular Nadal Djokovic and Federer yeah look is it the beginning of the end he still won two majors this year mm. he's world number two I don't think it's the beginning I I don't know that it is but um oh if you watch the match he had a lot to offer yeah like I mean that first so if Alcaraz wins that in four you know, after that first set from Djokovic, you're going, oh, there's some questions there. But the fact that it went to five and he, you know, I mean, he rallied in the fourth to take the set back. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of fight. There's, you know, there's still some fight in the dog. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it will be interesting to see if now we finally see some of these young guys yeah. coming up who can, if that sets them alight, oh, hang on, perhaps I can do it. Yeah, and, and and going back to your stat on on Wimbledon as well, you know, a question I could pose is: is that a result of the fact that it sits so close to the French? You know what I mean? So mm. so players are coming in. So that's this is where your cream rises to the top because you know your better players are coming off the back, even though clay might not be their thing. Yep. You know, they're coming in, you know, conditioned to Grand Slam yep. and then going into Wimbledon. You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas the Oz Open and the US Open sort of sits isolated they away do. from those two Grand Slams. So, yeah. Yeah. Just well, yeah. Keep your eye on the US Open coming up because notoriously it's been Novak's, you know, he's only won three of them. So yeah. it's, it's his weak link um, at the end of the season. He, he's getting a bit fatigued. I mean, he's lost like five finals, so he's, he's thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, and Alcaraz is the defending champion. So, you know, if he can get it over him again, mm. I imagine that, um, you know, then we start to ask some questions. I think Novak will be around for another couple of years. I'll be surprised if he doesn't win another three, maybe four. Yeah. Um, he's just that good. Uh, could be even more. But, um, yeah, it, it was great from a tennis fan's perspective to see somebody else come out other than those big names I just mentioned before and play a five-setter in the final and um, get the job done against um, Novak. Because he, if he'd won that, that would have taken him to equal with Margaret Court on 24 Grand Slams mm. and um, one away from being outright full-time, yeah. So. Well, uh, Alcaraz, mate. Alcatraz, Alcatraz, as you're known here on the Sports Attention, mate. Congratulations, mate. You leave SW19 with the silverware. Well done. We love you. Mate, uh, big news. Get excited. Motor racing fans, dust off the shoeies. Dust off the shoey. Ricardo is back, mate. He's back where it all started. Or Well, Pretty much started, you know, in yep. the in the uh, Red Bull stable, obviously at their uh, at their their sister setup, Alpha Touri, um, the Hungarian GP this sun- Sunday. That'll be Eastern Standard Time. Um, that'll see Daniel Ricciardo back in the driver's seat. Um, I think for the next series of Drive to Survive, this is brilliant. Mm. Okay, he's back, he's and back. and I'm sure they'll make it make it a a big thing, but. Um, you know, everyone's got a little bit excited with Daniel being back and the fact that um, they're already talking now about the possibility that he'll end up back in a Red Bull car. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, he's got a seat in there on the grid. Like, yeah. let's let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit, eh? You know. So, um, I mean, it's good, and and I I think there's you know, I, he appears as though he's he's a really good personality, Ricardo. Yep. So, um, someone like Christian Horner. Uh, having him back in that Red Bull environment, I think they they appreciate him. So it's it's good to see. Um, however, mate, the hard stuff. Max Verstappen, mate. Yeah, hard to see him not getting the chocolates. Yep. So, um, but I've got some punting advice for the punters. Bit of value. Bit of value. Oscar, P- Oscar Piastri. If you get on him now. He's offering seventeen bucks a place. I know it's always a risk pre-qualifying to punt. Yep. However, you know, I believe he's going to end up on the podium sooner rather than later. And McLaren drove pretty well at the British GP, so I mean, there there's some value in that. Three leg multi. Maybe I think that's what I mean. It'd be imagine if it did get up and I wasn't on it. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be yeah. That'd just have to be it. All right, mate, and uh, moving on to uh, British Open starts this week. So um, mm. who are we tipping? Uh, Royal Liverpool Golf Course. Uh, so Rory McIlroy comes off a win at the Scottish Open. Uh, yeah, Robert he played McIntyre. pretty well there. Yeah, so he, he held off Robert McIntyre for the win there. Um, sunk a, a birdie putt to uh, to finish on the 18th. Yep. Uh, while Paul McIntyre was out on the driving range thinking he was up for a, a playoff. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I th- look, I think it was a decent, a decent field in the Scottish Open. It has Scotty Stiffler played, and so did Tommy Fleetwood. And um, I mean, around when you look at the uh, the odds for the um, the Open Championship, those guys are all sort of bookies like them. They're in the they're in the hunt. Uh, Cam- Cameron Smith's at fifteen bucks to to repeat. Um, yeah. I don't know if he's coming in with the. He did have a win the other day at Live. Yeah, lazy six million. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah a little, <laughs> a little pocket money. Um, uh, well, yeah. you know what, Rory's been playing too well for too long now, and featuring right up there in the majors, not to get another one soon. So if I if I yeah, so I mean the the fact that Rory's been in the UK and he's won a tournament last week mm. really shifts my sort of. I can see why he's the favourite yeah. because um, you know he hasn't been playing bad golf either. He was yeah. only he only missed a. From a whisker, you know, in recently it was was it the the open uh, the US Open? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. So he only he's he's there or thereabouts, and you know, winning on the on the weekends only going to sort of springboard him in. Yep. So uh, John Rahm's obviously there as well. We uh, love Johnny Rambo here. And uh, geez, it's nice seeing Tommy Fleetwood in with the. Uh, with the favourites too. Come on, Tommy. Um, yeah, so your your regulars are there: Victor Hovland, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka. So um, Fitzpatrick, yeah. is he thereabouts? Oh, I think he's a bit. Oh, Matt, yeah, he's at fifty-one bucks, mate. Dear, dear. Yeah, the little pocket rocket. Yeah. All right, well, I'm not getting on that. Wyndham Clark, mate. Wyndham. Wyndham. If you want to get a bit of Wyndham, uh, he's still, they're still offering him up at at fifty-one dollars, mate. So. Right, mate. Plenty to think about. Plenty to think about. Plenty to think about over at the cricket as well, mate. Manchester. They're going to be playing at Old Trafford, and they're going to be starting tomorrow. The Aussies look to wrap up the series. Uh, they're two-one up currently at the moment. Uh, England, obviously, coming off a, a dramatic third game victory. Well done, DM. We've had enough here. Let's finish him off, Aussies. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So, so they go in slight favourites. Yeah, they go in slight favourites. But uh, as you've pointed out, mate, here on our run sheet, a couple of key questions here. Uh, Green, the um, you know the, pro, uh, the 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 chosen one, Green. He, yep. He's he's um, a hell of a player. I don't think anyone's doubting his talent. But Mitch Marsh, I mean, you bought him in and said, mate, do a job for us, and what a job. Mm. I mean, you'd be stiff to be dropped, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, I, I think as we've spoken about previously, mate, Jason Gillespie would have felt the same when he. This is when, the only one who feels it. <laughs> where he knocked it over a double hover, yeah. hundred against the bangers back in the day. I think Slats got dropped after a fifty, and um, you know, so that'll be interesting to see where they go. Hazelwood um, uh, uh, for Boland. Well, let's see what happens with that rotation. Mm. You know, this fast bowler rotation. I don't think Pat Cummins is getting a rest. No, but uh, but Scott. Boland didn't have much success, no. Um, you know, at Headingley. So, well, if, I, if they're fit and healthy, got to have in their full t- their top team. And sorry, Scotty, you're not in the top team. Yeah, yeah. That's my opinion. Anyway, there has been a lot of talk about Davy Warner and whether he's played his last test. I think he'll be playing. Yeah, yeah. Not going to drop him mid series. Yeah, no, you're gonna you're gonna let him see the ashes out um, at least before you have those any of those difficult discussions with someone like Warner. I think he's earned it. Oh, well, earning it um, is part of it, I guess, but there's no one beating down the door, is there? There's no, no well, that, that's yeah. completely different. You haven't got yeah. a, a young strapping Matthew Hayden yeah. uh, or Justin Langer, if you want to go the left-right. That's yeah. um, sort of, I mean, we all know what happened to Justin Langer last time he was in that dressing shed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently a World Cup and an Ashes series not enough. Uh, Poor bugger. I'll tell um, you what. Speaking about Old Trafford, though, mate, I, I couldn't help, and you know I like the, the weirder things in in life, uh, the, the Hilton Garden Inn. Mm. Have you seen that? No. So there's a, the Hilton is attached to Old Trafford ground. So yeah. if you, like, you have a look at it, there's hotel rooms that you can have that overlook the match. I'd never seen it before. So you basically get a view from, so, you know, it's on, on the back of the grandstand and you get a, um, yeah, so Emirates Old Trafford and you basically get a, a lovely view that looks straight out onto the cricket. Yeah, right. Imagine that for like a package deal if you did an Ashes tour for the cricket. Boys trip. Oh, a sports detention. I mean, we'd have to go and do some reporting over there. You would, you would. So I've got an image for you there. So if you look at it, your hotel room just oh, yeah, good. straight onto that. Yeah, so it's something that I – if there's any listeners, anybody knows of anyone who wants to get in touch with the podcast and let us know that has stayed at the Hilton uh, Garden Inn at Old Trafford, let us know. We'd love to hear what's it. it. What's it like? It looks an absolute delight. It looks a treat, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that I've always been puzzled with Old Trafford. Like, I, it's obviously um, the investment in, in cricket – infrastructure is far less in the UK and you know a lot of people don't sort of consider the factors involved with that but in Australia the reason why we have such great cricket grounds is because they get used year round they do we've got floodlights we've got everything because they use them for AFL and then they play cricket in the summer in the UK they don't do anything unless it's cricket cricket now it always rains in Manchester yep. and there is not a slither of roof other than being in the pavilion, which is so bizarre when it comes to Old Trafford. Yeah. When you look at it, it's all open top stadium seating other than the pavilion. 
I, I thought that was really bizarre. I mean, I know I have a fascination with stadiums and I look for weird things like that, but, yeah, I don't know. It's the observation I'd made. Mate, and what an observation. <laughs> All right, mate. Anyway. So... If they can't even put a roof on Old Trafford, imagine them organising a Commonwealth Games. Well, mate, mm. just, just can't happen. They'd take it to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> <laughs> mate, the, po- the, uh, the podcast multi, mate, how'd you go? Mate, another winner, another winner. Mate, you were on fire. I, uh, I am doing all right at the moment. Two out of three. In the last three weeks I've picked up two. So um, I had a an AFL match. I had Geelong beating Essendon, and um, you know when uh, at the end of the first quarter when they're up forty seven to one, I was pretty comfortable. Yes. Uh, then I also had uh, Caelan Ponga getting the chocolates as well. Anytime. And, and he did. And um, you know what? I can't even remember what my third leg was, but I um I know. Oh no! Um, it was it was, it was Alcaraz. <laughs> hey you. <laughs> Careful, the listeners will be put off thinking of you finding your third leg. Okay, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Alcaraz, that was a winner. Alcaraz, uh, not even the final. Medvedev in oh, the semi. In the semi. Yeah, well, mate, that's worked. Yep. Um, look, mate, I went for the anytime winger multi. Um, Brian Toto was void again, so I've had the issue. Two weeks in a row, I've ended up with a void bet. Pushes and all Um Well... They still took my cash, so because <laughs> oh, no. Marcelo Montoya and Jason Saab failed to get over, so the anytime winger multi scored me a respectable zero out of three. Oh, lovely, lovely! All right, mate, on to the um, main event, the penis of the week. Mm. So, mate, I've gone with um, Daniel Ricciardo, and uh, you spoke a little bit about his new team. Yeah, he's yeah, back. Yeah, he, he's back. And um, Nick DeVries was the one who moved along for him. Yeah, good on you, Nick. Good on you. And so, anyway, his new teams wanted to get him uh, photographed in his new uh, attire and put up there, but yep. they haven't, mate. They've gone the lazy option. They've just photoshopped <laughs> him on the, to old Nick's head. <laughs> They've just chopped his head out. Oh, I mean, Photoshop's a fantastic program. I, it, I mean, I, I've i only sort of just dabbled with Photoshop. I haven't sort of dived in head first. And it's, yeah, it can be challenging at times. But when you get it right, like they did in this photo, it looks good. Mate, the, the, he got towed up for it saying it was second rate. I thought it was spot on. Yeah. I thought it was him. I yeah. didn't know which one they were talking about. I mean, you got to not listen to the comments. Unless you are contributing to our great show here, yeah. <laughs> ignore the comments, okay? So, uh, Photoshop, the lazy option, penis of the week. Get, of get, the week. get Dan, Dan in and get him a photo. Well, they did. They eventually did that. They or did. did they? Or did they? Mm, it's a bit of a quinky dink. Yeah. All right, mate, what do you got? Mate, um, I'm going to go with virtue signalling. I mean, Dan Andrews, mate, you have just, you have dodged a bullet. Uh, and the only reason you've dodged a bullet is because some poor lady got attacked by a couple of wild dogs this morning. Um, I don't know. Did you hear the story about the attack on um, on Fraser Island? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I was I was reading about it, and um, I couldn't help but be, be taken back by uh, the fact that uh, the, it was reported, um, and this was from Channel 9 News, um, that uh, uh, a pack of Wangari has attacked a lady on Kigari. And I was like... What are they talking about? And apparently Wangari, uh, Dingoes and Kigari is Fraser Island. So apparently that is what we've got to call it now. And I was like, 
what are they talking about? So apparently they are now similar to Prince when he lost all his rights to his music. They are calling Fraser Island now Kagari, formerly known as Fraser Island. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Stop. No. Stop doing things like that because that is stupid. Oh. It's just Fraser Island yeah. and it should be – taught to the people who go to Fraser Island that it was traditionally known as Kigari. Yeah, that's right. Like, what are we doing here? And yeah. to call, I've never, I mean, the famous saying wasn't a Wangari stole my baby. I'm like, let's be fair to Inca. No. It was clearly a dingo. It even <laughs> made it onto the Simpsons. Oh. Okay, so virtue signalling for nonsense like that, please just stop. I mean, it doesn't matter. No. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, you know, apart from all this Commonwealth Games stuff that I had to cop, bureaucracy, political garbage, and then to see that it's not even a dingo anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a kick in the guts. Ah, uh, anyway, we're done, mate. Mate, we've done it again. We've done uh, a really, really fantastic job, if I don't say myself. Um, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, please get involved, get active with us on the socials, uh, jump in the comments section of, our, of this episode. Let us know what you think. If you've got any comments, critiques, anything you'd like to add, drop it in there. We Chat it out. What do we reckon, mate? Mate, love it. Thanks, anything listeners. else to add? We love you. Rightio, and to uh, any of our listeners down in Bega, home of the Roosters, we say good night and farewell. <laughs>